The Protect Your Neck Podcast. 2023 Neckies with special guest co-host Fenyo from the Flight Site. Let's go. is up my friends this is the protect your neck podcast and i'm your host dan tom analyst is where you can find over at mma junkies as well as the actionnetwork.com but on this year program the protect your neck podcast we break down high level mma that's what we're going to do here today tonight whenever you're listening to this it will be before the fights because it's the end of the uh, fight year of the calendar year 2023 and i've got a special guest co-host with me uh, to help kind of tie up year ends uh, neckies if you will uh, shout outs to podcasts that I and you should love as well, whether it's uh, the Heavy Hands Handies, the Slack, I think he does Slackies. So I'm kind of just trying to keep into that, you know, territory and, and, and figure the one good thing about this podcast is its name. So let's let's crib off that as much as we can. And Neckies sound kind of fun, right? I mean, I don't know about you, Fenyo, but like Hickeys haven't been popular here since middle school. Maybe we'll bring them back in an internet friendly way. Relax, folks. I'm not going to come at you through the screen. You're 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 you're, uh, you're you're safe and secure there. But I'm just saying we are going to give out some neckies today. So I got my guy Fenyo from the fight site, of course. Uh, the fight dash site.com is where you can support them, uh, as well as are you are you guys shift over to Substack as well? Or are you guys still just on Patreon? Because that's where I'm. No, uh, Ryan Ryan is at, on right? Substack now, like doing okay. a separate thing, and we're still on Patreon. Okay. Okay, you guys are one of the patrons that I I I, uh, I support, and you should too. Uh, and uh, my guy Fenyo just does uh, amazing work. Um, so you should uh, always uh, support him. He just does plenty of work that I'm actually going to reference, perhaps for some of these awards today. Fenyo, say what's up, dude. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Fenyo from the Fight Side, as my man Don Tom already said, and we're here to to mostly talk about whatever happened in this crazy year of MMA. Uh, it was. It was a weird year. I mean, it feels like it. It always feels like a weird year, right? But mm-hmm. yeah, we had we had not like not many like superstar moments, but but we have some crazy results. Some that the UFC might not like, and and we usually like those. <laughs> Yeah, 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 absolutely. We'll probably be <clears throat> just using these awards kind of as an excuse to talk about the year end of, uh, of the year. We're not going to be taking this too seriously. Not that we take any of it too seriously, but for example, even though uh, me and Fenyo both did uh, a fair share of research for this, it's not like, uh, at least you know, speaking for myself, Fenyo, I don't feel like the pressure of like when I'm doing like a top five or a top ten list like I, like I do for here or for Junkie. On those episodes, I obviously really want to, you know, I really want to, you know, I'm more insecure about my list and more worried about that, you know. But this, we're just having fun here. And I think that's represented in a lot of the categories, which we'll get to, and which shouldn't surprise you because the proverbial, you you listeners, like half of these categories are from from you guys and gals. So thank you. And thank you, Fenyo, for joining me. You've uh, been definitely crucial to the show in many ways and uh, a reoccurring and obviously reoccurring because you're a favorite guest of mine, man. So thank you. 
I love being on this show. I, I enjoy it so much. We all, we always have so much fun, to be honest. The the listeners are are uh, already uh, feeling comfortable with you too. They're including you in the uh, same gimmicks uh, that they give uh, myself and. Uh, uh, Jack Slack, apparently, because I, I listened to his show. Rain Lamina goes, the Fano Sky of being quiet sly. The Dan Tom of being the bomb. Happy neckies <laughs> to go. the slackies. There we go. That's what's up. Look at that. Uh, very honored to have that uh, gimmick uh, carry over here from you, Rain Lamina. Jimmy Kudo, Enforcer number one. We won't be joined by Enforcer number two. Uh, you know, uh, support my guy, uh, Ghost Phantom. I'll give out his actual, uh, the weird way he spells it out. But we got Enforcer number one, Jimmy Kudo, underscore 59 in the house. Dan, so excited for this show, my man. RIP to my boy, Ghost. I know, we'll get Ghost back soon. Apparently, someone from one, I don't even have connections with one. Otherwise, I would have jumped on that as soon as I saw it. But have no fear. Apparently, uh, Ghost is having people from the proper authorities help him. So hopefully, he'll have his channel back up and running. Um, which means we'll get him here, which is just a small... Uh, awesomeness he really provides awesomeness to the whole community through his analysis so um, <clears throat> definitely support uh, Ghost Phantom there um, actually you know what while I'm on Twitter let me see if I can get his uh, get his actual like handle up on here uh, for you guys here it is uh, on Twitter it's at 9h6st21 that's at 9h6st21 uh, that's my that's our guy Ghost Phantom there. So shout out to him. James Kendrick in the house. I found out that it is hard to choose the most reliable favorite off the top of my head. I had a little more easier time with the favorite than I did with the underdog. What about you, Fenyo? Can you give a, a teaser for that without giving away too much? Um, because I'm not a better. Uh, sure. I'm I'm sometimes a bit lost when it comes to lines and that kind of stuff. But but yeah, I mean. The other thing is that this year, not many fighters have had, like, a lot of fights. Like, for example, Fighter of yeah. the Year, it's a lot of guys that just had two fights. So yeah. it, it, it gets kind of complicated uh, um, on that front. So yeah. this this year was kind of weird on that, on that front. Like, not many of the top fighters were very active. Uh, I think the only the only like top top like pound for pound for pound fighter that had many fights this year was Volkanovski. And Volkanovski, I'm guessing like I will get into that, but th yeah. that's a very like reliable favorite. He was not a favorite on both Makashev fights, by the way. So. Right, and those were both fights this year. So yeah, no, definitely. Um, let's actually we'll start with those. So put a brief pin on that. I just want to plow through the rest of the comments. Rio says in Truesdale, "Hello, Fenyo. You were awesome the last time you were a guest. I really like your energy. Look at that. I was just saying they love you and and they they're coming through here. Thank you. Um. Makato Kayagoku, love that. Let's have some fun on this award show. Welcome, Fenyo. You are great. You are great, too, uh, Makato. We got one of your... Um, uh, we're using one of your uh, categories, and I will credit you properly. Uh, Kayagoku also adds, I hope our group aren't too toxic. No, you guys are great, man. If anybody's toxic in here now, it's just probably just me at this point. So, <laughs> it's, uh, you guys are good. But you know what? Let's, let's start on that. The, let's start with the... Uh, of course, we're going within the calendar year, and we're, you know, uh, I'm doing like kind of a crime here. I'm, I'm doing it before Risen 45, the Risen Japanese New Year show. It's really disrespectful usually when like the big outlets start, but release their awards. But it's like over the last few years, I feel like all the outlets, speaking from someone who works for one of them, they're in a rush to get them out. And it's like, so once the air quote major promotions are in the books, you tend to see them kind of come around this time. Um, I, 
you know, I, I'm probably taking the next week off. So maybe I could have just taken this week off and we could have done it next week. You know what I'm saying? But it's just the way it worked out with the schedules and whatnot. So hopefully you guys forgive me. And obviously, um, and I gave it plenty of shouts uh, last podcast because uh, uh, Shinrayu's impending rematch with Horiguchi on that card when I was recapping my prospects card. Um, so I, it's definitely in mind, and I do want to shout that show. But uh, I just want to omit the obvious, right, 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 Fanyo, that we're not including the uh, the one show, the one one big show that hasn't happened, the classic Japanese New Year's Eve show. Yeah, I mean that's that's actually happening like next year for us, right? <laughs> Yeah, it's weird too. There's that. There's that too. 2022 for them, but yeah, yeah, it's 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 one of those weird things there. Yeah, so I just kind of omit that. I know there will be, you know, and I I conclude myself with one of those annoying hipsters that will be like, hey, what about you know? I just want to make sure I address that off the top. But let's start with one of these funny. This these came from James Kendrick, I believe. So shout to James Kendrick. I believe he is in the shout. Uh, Big Steve's dad. Let's have a positive night to end the year. I was very excited. Yes, absolutely. I'm gonna. Much better mood. Apologies, uh, you know, you having to deal with uh, emo Dan Tom. There. That's another reason why we have a guest. Keep me in order here. But no, no, uh, feeling we're gonna have a positive end of the year. And uh, personal news, uh, I pulled the trigger. I talked about it last podcast. I pulled the trigger. Your boy's going to Bangtao to train uh, in February. Bangtao uh, Muay Thai gonna get some training in. So uh, we're doing it, baby. Next year. Next year. Um, so I'm, I'm really, I'm really effing excited about that. I'm jazzed up right now. We're going to take this energy into the show. And, yeah, we'll start off with uh, James Kendrick's most reliable favorite and most reliable underdog. So this one's tough, right? Because um, you can talk about it in general. Like someone in generally when they're a favorite, they're going to come through. The stats would prove that, right? And you can go to like – and if you're not a betting person, um, you go to Tapology when you go to these fighters. And they'll provide you with the, uh, the closing odds of their fight. And uh, layman's terms, plus number means you're the underdog. Uh, minus number means you're the favorite, right? The bigger minus number, the bigger favorite you are. The bigger number next to the plus sign, the bigger underdog you are, just to put it in basic terms, right? The numbers are close. That means it's a closely lined fight. That means it's competitive on paper. Um, but when you go down that road, it, 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 A, it's hard because, you know, this guy might have been, you know, Volkanovsky's a reliable favorite, but he was an under, underdog both these times this year. Well, anytime you get a guy like Volkanovski at underdog odds, why not, right? At least that was the logic for a lot of people picking and playing him. One, maybe both, or one of the times, right? Um, as much as I love Volk, as much as I'm accused of being a Makachev hater, I, I pick Makachev both times um, for that. So we'll start with um, we'll start with favorite, but I just want to say that like with like underdog too it's like sometimes maybe they were a favorite and they were an underdog right or they were an underdog but they they won as an underdog but they also technically lost as an underdog you know um so you can go a lot of ways and with this one maybe i will adjust the wording and i'm still going to give credit to james kendrick here because i think this is a good one for the betting portion you know a, a favorite and an underdog for the year and you know if we go into bets that's that becomes a little too you know a, a little too biased for for, for me uh, maybe right, obviously, and then like maybe my uh, my guy Fenyo maybe understands betting and can like talk about it and stay above water, but that's not like not his thing, self admittedly, right? He's not out there placing bets or whatever, so that you know maybe that wouldn't work for him or that wouldn't be his selection. So basically, what I'm saying here is I think that there's a lot of context you can go with this one. This is one where it's encouraged to take it different way. So, for example, my most reliable favorite was the opposite of 
the Volkanovsky series. Uh, it was Islam Makachev. Um, maybe, you know, uh, I, as much as, you know, I, I, I Islam Makachev is just a, a fighter who I feel like a Khabib is going to get awards for everything no matter what year he competes in, right? And I make that, and I'm the contrarian in me, you know, makes it come off like I, I dislike Makachev. I've actually been a huge fan of Makachev, even while Khabib was in his prime and making his run up. Before Khabib even got to the title, I was like, I love this guy's Makachev's games better. Because uh, he's always been known as, you know, essentially the more technical guy, maybe. Perhaps the more diverse techniques, but Khabib, uh, the more athlete, um, just a, a, you know, kind of a straightforward game. But uh, I've always been a big fan of Makachev and his technical game. And even with Khabib, like, it's funny, like, I, I need to start recording more of my grappling sessions. Like, especially when I'm playing from top and the wrestling rides. Like you guys would think I'm the biggest Khabib fan with the with the leg wraps and the leg and the uh, wrist controls, uh, you know the cross wrist rides or Dagestani handcuffs uh, that I'm constantly going and looking for. Like it's funny. It's like I, I know I come off as the biggest hater of these guys, but it's more just their fans and their perception. Them as fighters, uh, I've got high things to say. Obviously, in fact, there's a lot of my game, and perhaps we'll talk more about the striking side of Makachev later. Maybe. Um, but as far as most reliable favorite, I mean, I was going to be cheeky and, and say Patty Pimblett if that Jared Gordon fight took place in 2023. It was, of course, December 2022. Uh, that, you know, that really one of the worst scorecards, right? J- uh, Patty Pimblett beating Jared Gordon. And I was going to say Patty Pimblett because even when he loses, not, not only is he always the favorite because he's a fan favorite guy, so he's always going to be put in matchups where he's favorite on the odds, right? And even when he's not deserved to be favored, he's a fan favorite to kind of not that this is the fan favorite award; it's a betting favorite award. But you can you, you can play off of that too, right? You can use that wordplay; it's part of the definition in there. And because he's a fan favorite, oftentimes you end up being the betting favorite, even when you don't deserve to be, and even when you don't deserve to win. Guys like Patty Pimblett still win. So I was gonna be a cheeky and say Patty Pimblett, but no, it's gonna be Islam Makachev. Not just because of the cynical answer of like the where my contrarian does come out. Why it seems like I dislike these guys is because they're so set up to do well. Like, even though Makachev and Khabib are great, you would just, uh, you know, like, especially, like, prior to Khabib's last three fights, I would get torched, Vigno, for saying that Tony's win streak was more impressive than Khabib's. First of all, Tony's was actually a lightweight win streak because he never missed weight and had catch weights with Khabib, which Khabib did both. Uh, Tony finished the guys that Khabib arguably lost to in, like, Gleason Tebow. I know there's a wink and a nudge there, but... The facts is he beat him more impressively, regardless of how you score it. He beat him night and day more impressively, as well as Abel Trujillo. Oh, but he racked up all those takedowns. It's like, yes, but that also means that Trujillo got up a bunch. And to Khabib's credit, he almost admits it himself because you see a style correction at that point as far as his control and stuff getting better. But, you know, the point was, you know, you get, you know, torch for saying that, but like... The thing, you know, and even though like the, the cynical part of me wants to be like, oh, you know, Makachev, you know, he got you know Bobby Green on short note. He got you know, I'm not as impressed as other people were, you know, with with a lot of his wins before the Volkanovski. But aside from the cynical part where these guys are set up to win, the fact was, even though I have that attitude, even though I'm a big Volkanovski fan, not only did I pick Makachev both those fights, um, but particularly the second one, like. I feel like everybody was overcorrecting the steering wheel because I I got I guess I, I got a decent amount of credit. I don't think I deserved it. I don't think it was a crazy call. But I basically picked Makachev by decision, but I was like, Volkanovski's gonna make this much more competitive um as the fight goes down the stretch. And that's what happened. And I guess that was a crazy call. Uh 
because I guess people were like, you know, just again, just drinking from the Mak- Makachev and Khabib tea or whatever, you know, and then maybe they're blinded by that. So everybody kind of overcorrects the steering wheel. And then, you know, um, despite the short notice, you know, and maybe because we had these weird short notice results throughout the year. Um, but for me, and, and, you know, we'll talk about potential knockout of the year candidate that, that happened on this last pay-per-view card, right? Of a fighter taking a fight on short notice at 145 pounds in Volk's division. Um, that's kind of what should happen. Like the guy on short notice at a high level, it's bad to do. And I felt like crazy once again in their second fight saying that, guys, I love Volk too, but like why are, A, why are just as much if not more people picking him? And B, why are the odds reflecting that in the sense of not only is Makachev not a bigger favorite like he should be for a guy he already beat and now he's facing him again on short notice, but he actually closed, I believe, and held for the majority of fight week as a lower favorite than you could originally get him the first time against Volk with a, a full camp. That makes no sense, right? That makes no sense. Even yeah. if you were optimistic for Volk, which is fine if you were, but price-wise, that makes no sense. Why Why is it priced that way? And you were essentially getting a guy who everybody acts like is, you know, because I remember back to the, my Armin Sarukian rant, like everybody was acting like minus 300 was the steal of the year against him. And I'm like, that's a decent price. And if you have a bankroll, go ahead and lay it. But I'd be careful about, A, completely discounting Saryuki. And more specifically, people were like, I'm just going to play the inside the distance line at that price. I'm like, B, Saryuki is going to be better than you think. It was the same with the Volk 1. I'm like, I'm not saying he's going to win, but let's not pretend that Islam Makachev is Jesus fucking Christ and he can just snap his fingers and win. And it was kind of like those overcorrections, whereas the minus 300 was arguably a steal by the time you fast forward to his body of work. We've already seen him beat Volkanovski, although it was competitive, and I know he was losing in the fifth. But Volk's coming on a literally like a week notice. I don't know, Fenyo. I'm, I'm talking too much. I'm bouncing it back to you. But it made no sense to me. So whether we're talking about Reliable as a favorite career-wise or we're talking about a single betting opportunity this year in 2023, Islam Makachev is the most reliable favorite to me. Yeah, I, I think that's a, a very good pick. Um on the topic of the rematch of Mahachev and, and Bulk, mm-hmm. one of the easiest picks of the year, to be honest. Like, uh, we saw the first fight, yeah. Mahachev won, and then we get it again. You know that uh, Volkanovski not expecting a lightweight fight and not in shape taking a fight against a larger opponent on very short notice. Like, even if you like Volkanovski and and I thought I was going to pick Volkanovski in a rematch, but I mm-hmm. needed the preparation. I needed that. Yes. I was not going to pick Volkanovski on a week's notice to be uh, Islam Mahachev, not after how the first fight went. Like, like the best moment of Volkanovski obviously came on the fifth round, uh, where he sort of dropped uh, Mahachev and then went, went at it with the ground pound. And you can tell Islam was tired, but... By that point, after yeah. muscling so much uh, in the clinch and all of that, and and there was a bit of discussion on on Twitter of saying like, Volkanovski's out of shape. Obviously, ridiculous. Uh, like he's not out of shape, but there's a clear difference in his physique between sure. the second fight and the first one. Like, you can tell he's he had more more functional mass for the first fight because he was prepping for that and mm-hmm. and. For the second one, he was like, "Of course, I can make lightweight because I'm a featherweight, and 
And yeah, he was probably larger for the for the first one while being lean. So yeah, and, and that was the thing too. Like his complaint, he ate specific to put that mass on for the first fight, right? Whereas he was just kind of walking around on this one. And he actually complained about it. He said he wouldn't do it again. He probably would have done it more where, like, he trained for a, a 45 camp and just come in more at his regular size because he was feeling the heaviness. And that was with a full camp and, like, yeah. kind of planned, right? And th- so that he really was giving himself an extra, you know, coat to walk with in that sense, like, what he must have felt. It didn't look that bad. Like, he said he wasn't crazy out of shape or anything, but as far as functional. Yeah, man. So that that kind of for me, I guess, would be my most reliable favorite. Uh, did you uh, land on one for side, yours? Sorry, sorry. The go other ahead. side. Uh, on the flip side, Volkanovski had a one forty five fight against uh, Jair, yeah, and that's right. he was a big favorite, and that was a very easy pick too. So. That was. Um, other than that, uh, yeah, I think ah uh, Shavkat. Someone said on the chat, and I think that's a very good shout. That's a good uh, shout. Yeah, Shavkat. Probably, probably the 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 trend is gonna stop when he fights Leon. If he fights Leon soon, because I expect Shavkat to be a favorite against Leon, and I think I would pick against him on that one for for the time being. But but let's the, not get too it. Yeah, I'm, are you laughing at Big Steve's dad, uh, Avi, as well? Like I am. <laughs> I think I, I really okay. what, what it is. <laughs> yeah. I you know the funny thing is I actually have a Christmas sweater I've, I've worn before with that guy on it. I, I have it in my closet. <laughs> and I forgot to wear it for the last show and I'm like, oh I can't wear it for the award show. It's not Christmas anymore. So thank you, Big Steve's dad. You are representing the, that poor gentleman who probably gets no rights and or his family gets any rights for the uh, stupid merch that I have bought and others have bought. So Cheers to that <laughs> RIP. Alright. Um <laughs> That's a real inside baseball for audio listeners that have no clue about uh, <clears throat> big donger memes. All right, moving on to uh, underdog. Jesus damn. So I, I know I did. I was kind of long-winded, but you could apply the same thing for underdog. Um, you know, this is funny. Like, uh, like part of me, for example, like I don't know if this is this would burn one. And he was only an underdog once this year, so he's not my official pick. So I apologize if I'm burning him for this. But, like, a guy like Pantoja, um, he is, like, you know, this kind of award, like, most reliable underdog from a purely betting standpoint, these are the fighters I I, I was trying to come to mind. I'm like, who are the fighters that I say on this program, folks? And you guys hear me say this, listeners, where where I say, you know, I'm taking a shot at underdog. I don't necessarily feel great because it's gambling on MMA and it's an underdog. But if you are going to, you want somebody that's going to fight for your money, right? And, like... Guys like Pantoja have the heart. They have the durability. We weren't sure about the stamina, but he showed this year he's got the five-round stamina. And that's a guy where, like, you know, he could have lost, Could you know, could he have lost those fights? Uh, sure, especially the Moreno fight, you know, depending on how certain things go or maybe, you know, how you, how you d- decide to score it, right, if you're one of the three judges, right? And one of the judges, I believe, did score it for Moreno, right? So it's not that he can't, you know, lose these fights. He could absolutely lose these fights, but... At least you're going to have the peace of mind knowing that, you know, he's he's going to be somebody that goes out and fights for your money. That It's going to be somebody that's going to be notable for this kind of award and not the, but why, piss poor fight IQ award, right? Like, you don't want to bet on those people who we'll get to for that category. Like, you don't want your money on them. 
But for underdog, like I think of a guy like like Pantoja. What 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 kind of names jumped out to you for this one, Fenyo? Or outright, where did you land? Underdogs. Uh, this year, I'm not sure what underdogs did well. I think. Um, I mean, I I can recall like single instances because, as I said, like yes, not many fighters fought a lot here. Uh, Going back to the Emmett versus Bryce, I think Emmett yeah. close as a as an underdog. That was yeah. insane. Uh, yep. Maybe the worst line. Of, I mean, I don't I don't know how they opened. So maybe they opened with Emmett as a favorite. But no, no, it, close as a... He opened that, and it was funny. I was just listening to um, the Bloody Elbow Substack, and uh, when you when I finished an episode, like it jumped back to like I guess it was like Zayn and Connor on the Vivi. And I was no, like, oh, wow. And they were breaking down this match on the prelim side. So and I was like in the shower, so I wasn't by my phone. I was just letting it play. And it was funny because they had very similar thoughts that I'm sure you had on your uh, podcast. I remember you as, as saying, because I always listen to the early prelim and the pay-per-view <laughs> preview that you do. Shouts to your content there on the Fight Side podcast feed. Also uh, also to the Fight Side uh, MMA podcast as well. Really good stuff with um, Christian and uh, Silas. Um, but like, but yeah, like, and I was talking about last week, like I sent him your words. Exactly. Fignon. That's one of the best lines. And you're not even a gambler and you realize that, like how the heck. And I, I referenced a fight that you could kind of reference for the Volk Yair, which was Frankie Edgar versus Yair Rodriguez back at UFC 211, where Frankie Edgar was, you could get him pretty much for near even money against Yair. And at that time, this is Frankie Edgar who's never been stopped. He was like, it was indestructible. Right. And it was just like a bad style matchup. Right. And, um, but this one, actually he, Emmett opened, and I'm, I, I'm going to focus on this and I'm glad you, because this, this is my pick, by the way, mine was Josh Emmett. He actually was an underdog all three t- times he fought this year and he actually lost more than he won. But, uh, A, was, one was a really bad style matchup, uh, Yair Rodriguez, Southpaw kicker, right? And, uh, even then he took a lot of a beating and he's always been a guy like he he doesn't he's not as durable as a Pantoja on paper Emmett has been stopped right but you look at like what he's been through like having to go through facial fractures he's had like uh bones coming out of his finger back at lightweight against the what was that that John Tuck fight back in uh Europe it was like a, a UFC Rotterdam I believe he took it on short notice he flew seven days um might have been like his UFC debut like, the dude it really has been through the ringer, like, as far as what he's come back through, come back from the facial fractures that he got against Jeremy Stevens in a fight where he actually rocked Stevens before he got finished. Um, but, yeah, he's been in there with big hitters, you know, uh, and whatnot. And, like, he will fight for your money. I don't think he beat Cater, right? But the fact that he was able to come forward, take some shots, and then, you know, answer to the body, he was able to make it competitive, you know, regardless of how you scored it, right? So he kind of does fit that dog will fight for your money, and again, it's hard to find somebody in any calendar year who is always an underdog and wins all those fights. That's just that's just really hard, you know. So I don't know. I I, I you know, and for just standout perform uh, standout performance because again, he opened at plus one hundred seven and uh, uh, underdog, and Bryce Mitchell opened at minus one eighteen. Answer your question, Fanyo. So Bryce Mitchell actually opened as a slight favorite. Even that was silly. That would be a line where I'm like, oh, I better jump on Emmett now before it goes away. Because I imagine everybody else is going to see it. No, 
No, every like I always say, like every everybody. Uh, shout out to them. Maybe we'll have to incorporate a soggy dick special for like you know, uh, old old fighter who upsets the odds kind of an award. You know, <laughs> the soggy dick special, uh, which is you can also call at any Dan Tom bet because lo- I love betting on old fighters at plus money. But Fenyo, the thing about MMA gamblers, and I tell my audience here all the time, is that they are so. If you could be racist against old people, they are absolutely <laughs> racist against old people. Like, if you are, like, 34, 35, like, they are just, like, you're done. You're, like, like they select uh, the people they like, like, Jared Fogle selects the kids he likes, you know, or Herbert from Family Guy. I mean, it's very similar. It's a very similar in how they bet their money, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's age, baby. It's who's who's more ripe. Mm. And, um, and even though... Bryce Mitchell isn't a typical like athletic, spinny, kicky, flashy guy like a Yair Rodriguez because they also on the on on the other side they love that shit right like like it doesn't even matter if you're like putting it together or setting it up they're like oh my god he's athletic and he spins I think Rogan called him explosive too you know and like that, that that'll just like sell people right they're like oh right you know you just have a couple stupid knockouts that make no sense right and uh, like that's the classic like fa- you know fade spots and don't get me wrong. Uh, plenty of people I know have, uh, have been very profitable this year because you're more profitable more often than not, right? Youth, it's a young man's game. So obviously, I'm tongue-in-cheek here. Obviously, more often than not, the young fighter wins. But, Fenyo, do you have that in you too where you're you're just like you kind of you, – you, you feel good for the, for the old guys upset in the apple cart like this when they're, they're getting counted out, like disrespected? Yeah, especially when I feel like uh, the matchmaking is looking for them to lose. And, mm-hmm. and that happens very often. Like the yeah. the UFC operates like that. Uh, I mean, most most organizations and boxing, especially, yeah. Yep. So, so yeah, I mean, yeah, and and coming back to Emmett, uh, he, yeah, I mean, if you think about it, he was reliable in both ways. Like uh, against Jair, like he played the actual role of the underdog because you were expecting him to lose, and we both very easily mm-hmm. uh, picked him to lose in that one, and then. You play the the underdog that wins against uh, Bryce. Uh, another thing that Bryce had against him, and it was very weird too, because um, uh, watching tape, I mean Bryce often fights as a southpaw, and I thought that that advantage was not going to be there because uh, Emmett was making a camp to prepare for Giga, who is a like mm-hmm. super long southpaw. So. He was not going to surprise Emmett with the with the southpaw kicking stuff. I mean, maybe it, it was going to work, but but he was not going to surprise him at least. Uh, but then Bryce decided to to fight the whole fight orthodox for some reason. Yep, yep. <laughs> and uh, I'm I'm guessing that Bryce is maybe naturally uh, an orthodox fighter, and he needs the camp to feel like sharp from southpaw. And because he did not have a camp here, he just defaulted to to Orthodox. I'm guessing. I don't know. It was a weird decision, to be honest. He, he, yeah, he lists himself as Southpaw, and he does primarily fight from that. But yeah, he, he I did notice that too. He did he did switch a bit, which was I don't know. Yeah, well, that was weird. I figure you know the Southpaw look with the style. At least can maybe buy yourself some time. You know, give giving some different looks. Sometimes people will go to Southpaw just to buy just to bullshit and buy themselves some breathing time. You know, that's like a tactic people will use. <laughs> Um, and also, and also, he's a good wrestler from Southpaw. Like that's yeah. how he took Papuria down. So yeah, he, he, that's where like his leg kick 
catch counters into stuff are usually too off that lead leg when they try to kick his lead leg off as a southpaw he'll do that reach down and stiff arm and kind of run through yep um and yeah that 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 you know but that was that was the I mean I feel really biased because I was on it I know but like that just that was just a stupid line you could not justify the opening line as opening him as a, a, even a slight underdog much less people betting him over a dollar more the other way you know closing at plus two hundred that was just that was that that was a, that was a that was a gift um, maybe we'll talk about Emmett Mitchell more maybe we won't but I want to go down to best bodywork performance this was from Jimmy Kudo the enforcer. Um, knowing how, he, he knew, he knew how to get a, you know, not, not that this is the hardest barrier to entry, but he knew how to get my attention, a bodywork one. Venue, I know this one must have excited you, huh? Yeah, uh, a lot of candidates. Uh, yes. My pick might be not very exciting, but I thought it was like a, a very smart performance uh, because, and it's like Jack Della versus Kevin Holland because... Nice. He, he finally did what fighters are supposed to do against these super long, hard-to-hit-to-the-head fighters. Like, like Randy Brown, it's another one of these that are like super long and they have like not super layered head movement, but they have all the leeway of the distance that they set. So what you should do is like going after the legs, going after the body mm-hmm. and... And Jack Della here getting like super clean connections against Holland to and to Holland's credit, like insane endurance to, to resist those mm-hmm. body shots because they were not like soft at all and he was no selling them. So maybe that's why that performance is not like very loaded. But I, I thought like it was a smart performance because I think Kevin Holland looked pretty good in that fight too. He was doing a good job of evading to to the head, uh, making uh, Jack Della chase him and putting him out of position. But Jack Della, being such a ambidextrous puncher, uh, bails him a lot during those exchanges. It's something that I talk about in in Dustin Poirier versus Max Holloway back in the day. Is that uh, like Holloway was getting the better angles inside the pocket sometimes, but Dustin just uh, just has so many options because. He He's such a, a good puncher from both yeah. sides. And that's something that it's not very very common in MMA. Like some guys can put, obviously most fighters can put combinations together with meaningful punches from both sides. But then they don't have the flexibility to to put like these combinations with a, with a, like an expansive language of punching. And what I mean is like finding like different kinds of uppercuts and hooks to different ranges. Uh, that's kind of lost for some guys in the pocket. Uh, but when you see guys like Dustin and Jack Della in those spaces, they have options from places that you do not expect them to have options. And that's something something very interesting because uh, Jack Della would like switch into range. Uh, Holland would try to circle. He would get like an angle, but Jack Della can always lead hook from wherever he is. And... And he would go to the body with that and then just cover behind his shoulder to not get hit back because uh, that's the like the danger of going to the body. It's like you're punching down and you're getting like your shoulder uh, away from your jaw. Uh, you're, some, you're dropping your guard, obviously. Yeah. And he was doing a very good job of like staying safe from like what you would think are compromised positions. So that's why I like that performance a lot. 
That's a great point. I think Kevin Holland, the way his, his both the way he reacts and his like Gumby like ability to take damage and like still keep fighting, like whether he's got that broken arm and he starts like actually jabbing right or like he, it's so weird that it makes impresses uh, performances like both more impressive than they should be, but it also it makes it look less impressive than um, perhaps what's actually going on to like the common eye if you're if you're missing these little details that you point out, you know. And I like that fight because it's really similar to the fight I went with in the sense of I didn't expect either to go to the, the distance either way, who, no matter who you picked on these ones. Um, and all those one I was right on my pick. The other one I was like right on my bet. I was wrong on my bet, wrong on my pick. But like my analysis for both these fights were spot on. And this one, I remember, I think I had, I thought um, either one of them was going to get a finish. Uh maybe by round two but the main thing was the analysis as far as that was the body work um and offering up those targets i know people were unsure if jack della was going to fight smart I, I don't have it in front of my head but i believe he i think he had a wild fight before um with the and that was another one where it was a classic where i was like hey guys i'm picking uh, jack della madalena over what was this guy's name uh basil uh sorry i remembered his name basil hafez yeah basil from austin powers uh but I, I said, and I should have bet the decision, right? Because I actually picked it. I said, uh, Jack Della's either going to get a finish in round two, because again, that's his round. Uh, that, that's the round that I feel like it's not his round, but it to me, it, it it's, it's right there. Yeah. And he almost got a finish in, in that round two, if you remember. That was the closest he got to finish that fight. I'm like, if not, it's going to a decision. I'm like, because this Hafez guy, even on short notice, and I'm Mr. Anti-Short Notice, I'm like, this guy looks like he's in good shape, trends up in elevation, had a fight recently booked. You know, it just seems like he's got that dog in him. Um, looks big, but not too big, where he's cutting like maybe a ton of weight. I'm like, I, this guy is durable as crap. So I actually wasn't surprised by that performance. And I, that was one, again, kind of like with the, you know, the, the we talked about that dynamic with the Islam Makachev dynamic, where you have that expectancy bias, where you expect him, oh, he's, Jack Della's going to blow out a guy on short notice easily, right? And the fact that he didn't, I feel like everybody like almost was like doubting, right? And hating on him. And, uh, I was like, no, 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 I know Holland can surprise, and I know Della came off that questionable, I'm like, but I think people like us, where we see, the, we see the skills there, we're like, it's there, he's got it, it's there, trust me, it's there, he can, he can do it. Not saying he's going to win, you know, but like, if Holland was going to win, it was going to be off like a real bad mess up off Jack Della, you know, or something, something like that. But it was the body work and also the cage positioning is what really kind of leading me to the Jack Della Madalena side is the fact that he's got the Robbie Lawler kill zone with the uh, Jack Della does with whenever you get between the inner black octagon lines in the cage, he just lights up right. Even you know questionable IQ Della Madalena, uh, low output Lawler. It didn't matter as soon as they get their opponents there. Any iteration of these guys, that's their their effing kill zone right. And where does Holland tend to hang out? You know, so that was kind yeah. of my thing. And you saw that it was, it was sometimes it's just the directionality can be enough to edge a fight one way. And in those exchanges and the dynamic that you were giving, I think that fed into that dynamic that you were saying, too, you know, as far as uh, for, for the Jack Della side um, and being able to edge out some of the exchanges um, uh, in route to victory. So that's a really good that's a really good pick. Um, real quick before I get to mine, uh, Big Steve's dad said his most reliable underdog was Brandon Allen. Uh, he was a good underdog. Uh, he's been underdog. Actually, he's been underdog a lot. That's actually a really good shout. Um, I know he what's was. He, a uh, what's he an underdog against both Muniz and Paul Craig? Not Craig, but he was underdog against Muniz. I he's guess under Muniz is, is insane. Uh, that was a very easy pick. 
to be honest. Yeah, I, I picked Moonies myself. I was bad. That as it's funny. I actually had a. I actually my my round robin was like I picked four fighters to win by submission, and like so it was like Mike Malott and like some of they all won, and the last one was Moonies, and I was like, well, technically he's a third degree black belt and uh, who subbed Jacare and Brendan Allen's a first degree black belt who's been subbed by. Not that that was my analysis. Obviously, like I had I had reason. Oh, yeah, yeah I, I, I had more reasoning than that for my pick or whatever. But like. It was just funny. I was just like, technically, this is the best submission grappler on the card, especially at that point of his career, right? He hadn't been kind of frauded out or whatever. So I was like, <laughs> I'm in good sitting, right? But then as soon as I thought that, it was like the MMA gods pulled all the alarms. Like, how did Dan Tom get this far this year? Nope, nope. They started pulling the alarms. And not only did I got the Eminem walkout curse. Mooney's comes out to Eminem. I'm like, no, not Eminem, right? And then it was like the Drake broadcast bet where like somebody just laid a multiple hundred thousand dollars on Mooney's. I'm like, no. And then when he's getting announced, he fist bumps Buffer. And I'm like, dude, you just did the trifecta. Like one of those things is enough to curse you, right? The Eminem walkout, the the Buffer fist bump, just ask John Anik about that one. Um, or the broadcast bet, which is a new thing since the pandemic bets on the, on the, on the screen. That's been the new jinx, right? And fuck all three. I'm not saying he would have, you're right, like in hindsight, great pick. Uh, great call, Fanyo. Great, great pick, Steve's dad. But I'm not saying he would have won. But I'm just saying having all those three things against you was like, oh man, no, nope, the MMA God's not letting me cash the grand ticket. We're gonna get one this year in 2024, folks. Um, I'll get to the rest of your comments, but just to pick up the thread on uh, best body work performance. So I had two written down, and the one that I'm gonna give a burn real quick to give a shout to is Tim Means versus Andre Filaho. Um, oh. Philo that was good. That was yeah. Good. That was an underrated fight too. Like I know I was seeing it through Tim Means' colored glasses, but Philo had his moments when I went back to rewatch. Like it was a fun fight, and there's actually some fun grappling exchanges in that fight too as well. Like Tim Means has some cool reversals, um, but uh, there was a lot of body work. It was the body works being set up. It was something that you hear Dom Cruz was crediting, which made me feel less crazy, and it was something that I I cited in my analysis specifically because. You know, feel a host, especially if you look at, like, the, you know, spin sidekicks from, uh, what do you call, um, what was that guy? It looks like Leon the Professional, but he's the Dagestani dude. Uh, Muslim Salikov, king of kung fu. Like, oh, yeah. you see other fights, too. Like, you'll see Andre feel it's, it's to the body. He doesn't really like body shots too much. He fought Chris Curtis, got hurt to the body on the regionals. I, think, uh, I don't know if it was WSOF or something like that or PFL. Um, but it's, it's always been a thing of his. And I'm like, oh, Tim Means is a guy who actually works the body. And it was just a classic team, Tim Means performance. He was coming off of uh, a bunch of losses, you know, like three in a row. And I, I love Tim Means. And just getting jobbed, even, you know, winning fights till he was losing, like a lot of those fights, dating back to the crazy, what's his name, a spring break, uh, Nico Price. So even Alex Morono, because he was tuning up Alex Morono. I, I don't care what people, I, I don't, I, atrocious that people scored that first round for Morono. Um <laughs> Sorry. I know he won anyways, and I love Morono, and I love Team Fortis, so I'm not even, like, salty about that. I just, it's like, god damn it, yeah, man. Sure. What the technical dudes, you know? The technical dudes, man. The guys. Um, Tim Means is one of those. But uh, what edged it out was uh, I had to go with Barbosa versus Yusuf, man. This was, uh, oh, that was... That was very good, too. Yeah, this was not just, like, you know, I don't know if it was a fight of the year candidate. Maybe people were saying it at the time. It was definitely a, a memorable fight for a lot of reasons. Um, but this is essentially like Gray Maynard, Frankie Edgar too at Uf, you know, UFC 101. Uh, yeah. What is it? 125. Uh, um, except instead of uh, the guy coming back from the big round to earn the draw, he actually gets the victory. 
and um, body work was a big part of that. You know, it was what allowed him to kind of get back into the fight to stop to help stop the use of pressure and st- and help bring on the already kind of suspect use of cardio. And um, that was also one of those fights where like listeners of the show to people on Twitter were like tagging me a bunch, like, "Oh, Dan Tom must be like." you know, coming all over himself with his body work, you know, posting, like, Randy Marsh from South Park uh, memes, you know, in front of the computer and all that. So it was, I kind of had to, I feel like I had to go with this one, man. It was great. You know, Edson, from knees, taking over the clinch, the clinch dynamic in that fight, seeing what shifted in that, um, the left hooks, the right hands to the body, uh, the switch kicks to the body, the spin kicks to the body. I mean, he just hit everything that he, he you could to, a, to, the, to as far as a body shot to a body shot. Um... It was just amazing. There wasn't a finish off of it, you know, but uh, as far as a bodywork performance, though, that's the award, right? It's not bodywork finish necessarily. It's it's performance. So I went with uh, another one that went to decision as well. Um, Edson Barbosa versus Sadiq Youssef. I have two, sh- two shots more. Um, yes, please, please. both decisions as well. Uh, Borsha versus Sadiq. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'll talk about that one again later, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, uh, brilliant, like, uh, boxing to the body by Borshev. And one that I think it's very underrated was um, uh, Angela Hill versus Denise Gomes. Yeah. These to the body. Yeah. Uh, they did a lot to to make up for the, for the athleticism of Gomes. Gomes is very, like, strong and powerful. And Angela Hill always with the good work to the body. Especially with like the long straight right hands and the knees from the clinch. Absolutely. Uh, someone mentioned. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna clear. Sorry, I'm not saying the name. You're good. Uh, yeah, someone said uh, about uh, Joshua Ban versus uh, Borjas. I think. Yeah. Was. Uh, yeah, that was, and I, I was very salty about about that one because Borjas has such a beautiful left hook to the body yeah. and now it was it was Joshua Ban with the body work in that one um but I feel like Borja was showing show what you were talking about though early right because that was uh, that was that almost made my list too I was almost going to pick that for a dual one because I remember Borjas I not just had his moments early in that fight but he was showing exactly what you were talking about his own body work correct yeah and then late he he showed some body work and he, he was making it close uh, it was a very good fight to be honest yeah Really good fight. Really good. That's when I wanted to shout for this category. And a lot of these could be fall under many categories. It's like that one could be, you know, uh, an underrated, you know, low-key, you know, uh, amazing fight category, which I wouldn't hate anybody for. And I'll turn to you or the the, the chat here in a second. I'm going to catch up with the chat because some of my other shouts might step on other categories. So, or winners for categories, at least in my book. So I don't want to burn any. But uh, James Kendrick says, my most reliable favorite is obscure, and it has to be, with bad matchmaking, Bo Nickel. <laughs> yeah, that's a very reliable favorite. Again, back to the uh, uh, Patty Pimblet to Islam Makachev uh, hybrid of uh, matchmaking there. Like, yeah, he, he fits uh, kind of right in between those two, somewhere in that spectrum, right? Yeah, Bo, Bo Nickel and Pfeiffer, too, if you want to go with that oh, yeah. Like, Oh, yeah, yeah. They're going to make him look, oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, God forbid a God forbid a slap fighter uh, is good enough to make uh, the contender series, and he gets signed. Dana's gonna pump the shit out of that person. You guys said, <laughs> you guys said he couldn't. I, I, fuck it, Friday. Sorry. <laughs> he's, 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 
It's just an amalgamation of this. Just, just that and having big. a stroke. He just blows up. He's just. <laughs> We'll see how far into this lawsuit we get, and uh, yeah, it's, it's gonna be interesting to. <laughs> uh, he's he's like like Scott Coker before like Strike Force sold, and he didn't do it as much this time. But you could tell they were getting near to a sale because he would just start sweating profusely when asked questions. Um, I think Dano's move is not gonna be sweating or turning. He's just gonna turn pink and red with anger, <laughs> even get even angrier. <laughs> Um, James Kendrick, my most reliable underdog, has to be Sean Strickland, unfortunately, except he was minus 150 against a bus, and pl- but plus 193 to Imavov to end last year. Yeah, um, or to start this year, I believe, actually. Act- that was, uh, that was, that, that didn't make much sense to me, that, that line. I, I remember kind of just, not blind betting it, because, you know, it's just weird, because if I pick Strickland, it's going to be count as bias, I guess, because he's an extreme couture guy. Uh, even though I picked against him plenty, even including this year, but I remember that Im- I think it was that Imavov fight. I was like, yeah, I was like, I I don't I don't think this is a very playable line here. Um, and sure enough, um, yeah, perhaps we'll talk more about Strickland later. Uh, Jimmy Kuda says I'll agree with Dan since I'm not good with betting odds. Uh, Rio says and Truesdale says, oh yeah, Sarukian was a good underdog. He says, not underdog, sorry, good favorite. Uh, Sarukian, yeah, yeah, this year he was uh, definitely a reliable favorite. Makato Kayagoku, I'm biased here, but I just want to throw this out there. Whaley opened as a minus 500 and proved it. Yeah, yeah. Um, we might talk about Whaley more uh, later. We'll see. Um, ben Cohn! Sarukian, the goat, shall take the belt this year. Goat, turtis, white horns. <laughs> Saruki and his Ben's guy. Nice, nice. Love Ben. Agent Ben 10. I don't know if he's doing another beef jerky batch, but I'll make sure to share that out. And if you guys ever see that, you better jump on it. Uh, Makatsu Kayagoku. You mean next year? Yeah, he's going to get it. James Kendrick. Uh, you like the Slack... You, you like Jack Slack description of Panchoja? Four chord garage band on the feet, Mozart on the ground? That's pretty cool. I dig that. I dig that. I mean, I, I feel like... And we saw that with... Um, I think you see that more in Pantoja's clinch work, which I, I think analysts like himself and others have pointed out uh, better than I could. But, like, uh, you do see that Pantoja, like, if you look at his bio, he has, like, amateur Muay Thai championship accolades from just competing on the regional scene over there in Brazil. I don't, again, not the, the craziest competition or whatever, but you see that the guy actually spent a lot of time doing Muay Thai. Um... All right, I'm gonna read a couple more, and then we'll get we'll get we'll get right back to the awards. Felipe Melo, these are the two most handsome MMA analysts in the biz. Way too kind. I'll I'll give that to Fenya over there, but I'll I'll, I'll I'll take being lumped in with him. I'll take it. Um, Ronan Curtis, shout out to the ancient fighters, my man. I don't know who you are, but you you have my my taste, sir. Uh, UFC also hates their old fighters. To be fair, yep, they do. They do. Even before they fall out of uh, business. Uh, uh, favor. It's just a. Uh, it's an economics game. You know, they're, they're too high priced when you got all these uh, cheaper options there. Uh, ben Cohn. Yes. Okay. Um, oh, real quick. James Kendrick. My bodywork performance was Josh Van. That was the one you shouted earlier, Fenyo, uh, from the chat. And then uh, Jimmy Kudo. We are big fans of Jack Della on this show. Yes, we are. Thank you for repping, Jimmy Kudo. Um, Tim Means is possibly the king of really old fighters. He is. He's got over 50 fights. He's one of those dudes like the Anthony Smiths. He's still out there in the UFC with over 50 fights, which is pretty crazy with what we just said considering. Right, Fenyo? Yeah. Um, does Jim Miller have more than 50 fights? 
Yeah, I think Jim Miller does too. I mean, I, I that's the only reason why I'm going to pay uh, money for UFC 300. Like I was talking to Ben earlier, my, I can I can fly out to New York for pretty cheap to go train with him. And I was like, maybe I'll do it when the UFC's in town. I'm like, well, maybe not because I, I can't afford <laughs> to go to the UFC's in New York, especially. But uh, I think 300 is going to be here. Um, so hopefully I can make that. Uh, last last one before I push on, Ronan Curtis says, a slap fighter in the cage would be insane. Yeah, I don't even want to put that into the universe. I'm, I apologize. Let's move on with the next award. Um, best Southpaw Technique of the Year. Okay, this one I'm really interested to hear what Fenyo has. Of course, this has been a good year, I think, for the top five shows. I think I would argue we brought those back strong. We've got uh, thumb, thumbnails, thanks to my guy here. We've got uh, a bunch of excellent guests as well, thanks to my guy here. Who Fenyo was on the top five Southpaws. So we know this topic very well already. We've covered it very well. But Southpaw Technique of the Year. We'll get to the Southpaw of the Year. What was your Southpaw Technique of the Year, Fenyo? Um, this one is interesting. Clearly, the from last year, it was like the the double attack of the of the rear straight into the high kick. And we saw another big knockout of with that from an Orthodox fighter this year, uh, Justin Cagey killing my boy, <laughs> Dustin yeah. Boyer with that. Yeah. Uh, other than that, um, I'm still waiting for the for the year of the Southpaw jab. We've seen a few performances, but still mm -hmm. not like very deep on in the meta. Um, I think we. I think we saw a lot more leg kicking from open stances this year than another year, uh, especially after like uh, Blahovic had that success. I think that was last year against Ankalaev, like with those like calf kicks in open space that are very disgusting. But I think a lot of fighters are going to the well with that. Uh, another, sh another shout out to, another shout out to Justin Gagey. Uh, once again, an orthodox, but fighting in open stances. He was doing great stuff with uh, outside kicking from open stances. That was very cool, too. Yeah. Uh, but I think I want a group like uh, Ghost uh, the other day was talking about this, like uh, the snap kick to the body that Leon was yeah. using, and also yeah. like Sierra Gan and Imabov. But I want to like group all the, all the front kicks uh, from open stance to the body as the technique of the year that was like because it's something that Strickland also used against Adesanya mm -hmm. when they were in open stances so I think my vote would go to that yeah and you know, it's funny I feel like you mentioned it I, I, when this technique when this topic came up what came to my mind was almost the opposite was the inverse like Charles on Dariush and Gaethje on Poirier like seeing the stuff that I would pick for Southpaws having it being done to them unfortunately there was a decent amount yeah. of that this year. And I agree with the front kick because it also pairs with another thing that we see a lot, um, which I want to say, did one of the Saeed Nurmagomedov get a knockout like this? Was it like Hayoni Barcelos or something? And then we saw it again recently. And, Umar. Uh, no, not Saeed. Was it Umar? Umar, yeah, it was Umar. Yeah, Umar. On, and it was the lifting knee where you like, is it, a, it looks like the front kick. You could throw a front kick to establish it. You could change that front kick to a tie kick and then have that play to a head kick. Or you can, it was one of my favorite um, entries, and I was kind of working, I was working on this, and the, actually, Southpaw Jab, you mentioned that. I was actually working on this today. Um, shout out to my guy, Don, who's just a bigger, stronger, better version of everything than me. So I was a good guy to work with. But we were just, he was just reminding me of like my favorite weapon. I'm like, I preach this all the time. Why don't I use it? The checking jab 
um, keeping something in your eyes, just in general, no matter what stance pairing, no matter what stance you are, just general jabs, jabbing in the eyes, keeping something in their eyes, using it to set up your kicks. But the southpaw jab particularly because it's just an annoying check. It's just, it's really uh, from an annoying angle people aren't used to because if you listen to even UFC commentary from the actual fighters, sadly they will tell you that jabs don't exist in the open stance still, which is just a crazy <laughs> myth. To Fanyo's point, that's what we want to see. Um, those were great shouts, but my, mine actually is going to go to... Um, <clears throat> mine's actually going to go to a, a, a double attack, and it's actually... Um, I, was gonna, I wasn't able to clip it, but... Uh, if you type in Islam Makachev, I believe, and you, you put in, uh, you see that Fenyo's uh, name tag there, you put that in the little search brackets for artists formerly known as Twitter, you should find uh, Islam Makachev's uh, tell for his kick. So it's not just uh, so much the kind of uh, in the familial tree of the, the southpaw double attack of having to guess the body, the head, especially when you mix the you know, the, the straight in there, which wasn't so much the case in this finish, not that Makachev is beyond doing that. Um, but the, what you kind of keyed in on, which I love, is, is again, it's one of my favorite techniques as a southpaw and playing off that what's coming. Is it the body? Is it the head? Is it a straight Is it a straight front kick? Is it the tie kick? Um, body or head and all that. And, um, man, like, <clears throat> he didn't get my southpaw of the year, obviously, but, like, it could be almost interchangeable, right? And we'll get to who I have for my southpaw of the year. But it could very easily have been Islam Makachev because not just as we're talking about the, the basic differences that everybody talks about, Islam, a little more technical, um, a little more technical, uh, just almost like spams risk control. Not that Khabib didn't do risk control. He obviously did a lot of it. Um, you know, uh, Khabib more athletic, a little more uh, linear with his approach, uh, both in some literal ways uh, to just his, like his meta, right? Um, but the striking is just you can't even you can't even compare. I mean, you can't even compare him to Khabib. It's two different people, two different stances. Uh, he is so good as a southpaw, Islam Makachev. I see my guy Dan Albert in the chat. He just shouted the pull counter on Volk. Shout out to Dan Albert, amazing, excellent, and handsome, uh, handsome bastard himself. He won't tell you that, but me and Fenyo will. Uh, no, he, he, he Dan goes Islam Makachev's pull counter on Volk. Like this guy's like a fully fledged southpaw. Like again, everybody's not jabbing as much as we'd like to see. But as far as the things you should never leave home without, check right hooks. You know, which was a big, uh, which was another big weapon that helped him. Um, you know, kind of stabilize the uh, the early success Volk was finding in their first fight was classic southpaw moves. I know that first fight. You know, um, well that first fight went down this year as well, so it, it counts. But yeah, like. Uh, <clears throat> This guy really could be deserving as the southpaw of the year, Makachev. And again, it's funny because I'm accused of being an Islam hater, right? It's more just, but it's against. It's more of his fans and like the way he's perceived. It's not him as a fighter, or even like as a as a person or anything like that. Like I don't like I, I respect uh, him you know, as a fighter and stuff, and don't know him as a person, but obviously I respect the dude. Um, but yeah, man, it's just that that hitch that you you beautifully uh, illuminated in your, uh, your 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 clips there, Fenyo. Um, I didn't really notice that before. And I'm like, yeah. And it's almost like he knows it. It's like he's not even trying to hide that tell. And I get that because when you're really flowing and you really take the initiative, especially if you're able to land a couple good front body kicks and you can get them reacting to that knee, that just that lifting knee, whether you want to lift a knee, like I was trailed off earlier, was talking about entries where you do the lift and you do the step down. We've seen those knockouts. 
um, which everybody's been surprised by. But if you go and look at my Southpaw reports, that's like the main thing everybody uses, whether it's guys like Max Holloway or dudes like Rohani Yaya. And that's kind of the spectrum right there. <laughs> you know, striking. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And and I mentioned those, both, those, both those names because you look at how orthodox fighters, air quotes, because I know both those guys will switch, especially Max, but how orthodox fighters deal with southpaws. And a lot of that is that lifting knee. And if you know how to weaponize that, right, and use it to kind of take your initiative and launch from there, it is just beautiful. So that, uh, in a nutshell, is my southpaw technique. And that is uh, due to you, man. You really uh, illuminated that that just so beautifully. Yeah, it is a very interesting thing because you you would think that having, like, a clear tail on a technique, uh, and the fact that Islam almost, like, dragged his, his rear foot before kicking. So, but actually that helps him because... Uh, he doesn't have to concern to make all his kicks look that similar. Just having this big initial motion helps him uh, hide a lot of his intentions. And Volkanovski, you can tell in that fight, uh, he went with the intention of not conceding ground to the kicks, but he was like playing a lot of like like blocking, but he was not going for a universal block. Uh, what's what's a universal block for kicks? Uh, you just like check high and go double double guard like Fedor did against Krokop. Mm-hmm. But obviously Volkanovski didn't go to didn't want to go that route here because he didn't want to stand in stand in one foot against yeah. such a good grappler. And that's something that that Fyodor could afford against a pure striker like uh, Mirko. Yeah. So so yeah, I mean Volkanovski was trying to like he was playing the guessing game too much and. And the, the tail from, from Islam was, like, throwing him off because uh, he was not realizing where, where it was going. And at the end, he was covering, but because he was, like, unsure, he was covering, like, his jaw, and he got kicked in the head. It was, like... His head is giant, by the way. And this is coming yeah, from a really big-headed <laughs> guy. Like covered the whole head. <laughs> and I'm not a... And as you guys saw, like, I was, talk, when I was talk, talking about coaches or fighter stuff. I don't... I'm not a big name-dropping guy or whatever. Like, I have fun at karate combat or whatever. But yeah, I did see like a lot of fighters there in person, or uh, like up close. And I'm not like, uh, shmoo- like, like I, I, I don't even try to talk to these people because I'm just, I'm just so weird. I'm like, ah, they, they don't want to be bothered, man. I'm not, everyone's trying to bother them. But um, Volk was by me for a minute, and I just could not get over how just bulbous his head was. Like it was just giant. Like it felt like it was this big. Like, literally, literally, it felt like it was this big. I'm like, oh, you can't block that thing. I hope to Pori, I gotta go see if Tapori has a good high kick or not. Speaking of which, poor, uh, but um, <clears throat> but yeah, no, you you that was actually that that was really good and yeah, a, a good explanation of it. And I just one thing I'll add, the poetry of it is you'd be like, wait, how is Max Holloway Haniaya on the spectrum? We're talking about Alexander Volkanovsky who beat Max. Like, okay, well, go look at my Southpaw report for Volk. And Volk liked to do the same thing, right? Um, and I even said that before the first matchup. And in the first matchup, what was one of his early successes? It was off of that from Orthodox, the lifting knee to the right hook, right? And then eventually Islam was able to get a beat on it and both counter and then maybe start to find his own like head kick stuff that he was able to build on for the second fight, right? Um, so it was kind of poetic that their series in 2023 started with Volk using that lifting knee and parlaying off of it. But it ended with, you know, Islam using the classic Southpaw version of it, where you're kicking off of it. So, that's 
it was pretty cool there. Um, all right. Uh, I clean up the chat real quick, and then we'll move. Um, Dan Albert says, also, evening do-gooders. Evening to you, Mr. Dan Albert. Jimmy Kudo, body kick, double attack from Southpaw is my vote. You're a big fan of that too, Jimmy Kudo. That's why That's why I love you, sir. Makato Kayagoku, my vote is the Arnold Allen outside calf kick um, from the open stance, and he gets stank on it. Oh, that was nice. Because Max was going a lot of Southpaw in their fight, wasn't he? Or wasn't he? Or wait, was he going orthodox? Well, Max was switching both up like he normally does. But yeah, that's a good shout. Uh, Rain Lamina, obscure technique here. Right straight to the body along the fence. You know the technique Ghost talks about all the time. Oh, absolutely. That's a great one for the open stance. Again, there's a lot of stuff against southpaws that were, that's coming to all our minds, uh, it feels like. Uh, Dan Albert says, Volk got shut down. Uh, Volk got shut down a number of grappling slash clinch tools, but the bread and butter counters did wonders because... Islam has an excellent grasp of his timing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely agree with that. Ronan Curtis says, Volk with a normal-sized head is a Bantamweight. I agree. I agree. <laughs> I wonder why he wasn't going to Bantamweight, because he teased when he first got in the UFC that he could fight all the way down there. But maybe with that head, no no go. Uh, go, Fanyo, <laughs> go, Fanyo, go, 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 go. I don't know if that's how they said it, but that's how I'm saying it. Like, go, Ninja. Go, Ninja, go. Ronafina doing the damn thing. Matt Pauly in the house. <laughs> Thursday night with your boy, Dan Tom Time. What's up? All right, we're going to push on. Um, all right, so this one's interesting. But why? Piss poor fight IQ uh, from Jin Karasu. Although I added to be uh, to give it a little more flexibility. Um, also, fu- potential funniest moment. Because bad fight IQ can lead like the, uh, lead to really funny moments as well. So I don't want to disqualify those, right? Because when I think of this award, I think of just like Marcin Pracnial and Sam Alvey, right? Marcin Pracnial just running into check right hooks over and over again. Like, that's one of the most comical things I don't know if we're going to be able to top as far as bad fight IQ moments, like the worst of the worst. Like, literally running in to somebody's best punch that they just got you with once, <laughs> twice, and now three times you're done. It was literally the stupidest thing. Like, it was like, it was just like, was like... I don't know if there's a Lord of the Rings orc that's programmed for this, I'm, what I'm thinking of, but it was like some kind of movie where there's just like a mindless machine that's just, or maybe it's like one of the, uh, what's the Will Smith zombie movie? You know, the thing just goes, runs its head against the thing. Like, that's what it just felt like. I was like, oh, Marcio Pragnia is like a malfunctioning zombie. Um, what did you, what was your interpretation of this category? What did you come up with, Fenya? This was a tough one. Um, I have two title fights here. Um... <laughs> okay. <laughs> First of all, uh, and I've been very mad about both because I think both fighters are a lot better than they showed. Here. I think I know where you're going. Uh, yes, very different reasons though. But yeah, Cyril again, uh, throwing like a super uncharacteristic, uh, a straight right, squaring his hips like an idiot against John Jones. <laughs> it's like, yeah, for fuck's sake. And and the other one that I feel a bit uh, worse. Uh, dragging to the floor, but it's uh, Irene Aldana not yes. throwing anything yes. against um, Amanda Nunes. Um, for funny, for funny thing, uh, that girl that was fighting Norma Dumont, and when he got hurt, she ran straight to the gate. Yes, yes. What the fuck was that? <laughs> 
<laughs> I forgot about it. That's great. That, I don't even know if that falls under Fight IQ, but just for the sheer funniness, that's amazing. That's just like remote controller. You drop the remote controller. When AFK or something like, like one yeah. of those UFC one. Remember the UFC one glitches? They made like a montage of him. It was like super hilarious. <laughs> Just like that. Yes. It was bad. They still have those glitches apparently. Yes. Okay, so, so I, I think we're the so you named my top two, and it's kind of perfect because I think we're the perfect to talk about this, right? Um, because everybody's everybody, no one is beyond making you know, uh, bad picks, not just wrong picks, but there's wrong picks and there's bad picks. Right. And <laughs> you really are setting yourself up for both, even before the fight plays out, whenever you pick against a quote unquote goat. And as yeah. we know, no matter how you want to cut it and no matter how hipster contrarian, both me and Fanyo want to be many people consider John Jones, the goat. And obviously many people consider as for the female side, Amanda Nunes, the goat, both me and Fanyo. For his, you know, oh, Makachev is an easy pick and all these things we can say. Oh, my analysis aged well here. Well, I believe, Vinya, I'm not throwing you under the bus. We both picked Gone against Jones. We both picked Aldana against Nunez, right? Yes, we did. <laughs> so not only is it bad enough, because you could argue that even if you end up getting the pick right, you still have to weigh out was it worth it for all the abuse you had to take prior for picking. Because you can have the best case and you can even eventually be right. But you are going to take so much abuse. So much bias, right, from all the nut-hugging fans to just the people like, what's wrong with you? The only thing to make it worse is that we both know that, like, we weren't saying, dump your money on Cyril Gone, dump your money on Aldana. Like, Venio, me and Venio weren't saying that. Like, we were well aware we were in the minority. We were well aware that our picks could lose. Like, we weren't crazy. You know, we might have been crazy for picking, but we weren't completely crazy, Right. But the thing is, you end up looking completely crazy by sometimes just A, picking against these people in the first place, but B, again, we picked them knowing they could lose, but of course they had to go out there and not just lose, but literally in like the stupidest ways possible, to where guys like us who know their game, who know the game, will pull our hair out, and other people, they won't even notice it. You know, they won't even give you that benefit of the doubt. Like, listen, I think my guy was going to get in the way anyways, but yeah, that was a weird. No, you're not even getting that. They're like, see, that's exactly what was going to happen every time. And now you have to eat that shit and all the analysis that you gave out, or in my case, as well as bets, and just look like a, look like, look like a dummy. And I mean, I would oh, be. Worst would ways be, to lose a bet. Worst ways to lose a bet. It would be better if, like, if okay. like, they both lost. But they lost, like, doing the things that they usually do. Yes. But it's like, like, Serial Gun has always been so allergic to throwing his right hand naked. Like, he never mm -hmm. does that shit. And he throws the ugliest <laughs> right hand, like, without measuring distance, like, incredibly bad. And then you have Aldana, who has been in so many wars and... She has lost some, like, volume-based fights against, like, Leslie Smith and Shukagian in the past, even though that decision was kind of uh, funky. But but one thing you can, you can count on Aldana is that she's going to throw back, at the very least. And she did not, like, at all. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. Like, it was like if they lost doing what they usually do and the analysis was wrong, it's one thing. Yeah. But then they... They go out and they do nothing that they usually do, and they lose. <laughs> so, and, and it was, it, and it was the two worst ways too. It, it's it's getting drowned out for like a long, boring fight where you do absolutely nothing, and you're like, "What are we doing here?" 
Or you just go and the, the fight's over quick, but it's not even like Tyson in the 90s quick. Like, it's not even entertaining. You're like, what just happened? What the fuck was that? Like, they literally, like, like it's almost like they plan, like, okay, I'm going to take, we're going to lose in the worst ways. Oh, you take this way, and I'll take that way. Like, it's like, what the, like, yeah, it, it, it's hilarious. You can't just, you can't help but laugh at it, obviously, now. Um, at our picks, at the way the fights went. But yeah, uh, Aldana's going to be mine, though, because here, here's my thing is, um, what also came up was like a jailman and Derek Lewis just holding him down for five rounds and not going for a finish, almost like he bet on himself to go to decision. Um, that was that was brutal. Uh, there was Curtis Blades and Sergey Pavlovich on Blades, again, choosing to go from, like, one of three people who wrestles at heavyweight to be like, you know what? Maybe three people's too much for this division. Maybe too many. I'm going to stick to striking. <laughs> I know it's gotten me trouble in, like, two fights before the Pavlovich fight. You know, Pavlovich seems like a guy you want to strike with. Uh, <laughs> and, and that was just, like, mind-boggling. And then there's the inverse, okay, where it was um, Cyril Gon's next fight against Sergey Spivak, and it's Sergey Spivak who's the but why. Like, again, Spivak could have lost that, and, you know, maybe I have to rewatch it. Maybe there's some technical footwork thing in the big cage that Gon was doing that I didn't see. But honestly, Spivak just looked defeated. It was like one of those things where, like, he came in with the... Whenever a fighter drastically changes their haircut and they look like kind of like like a mess, like me in the last two podcasts, like, it's a bad sign. Like, pull your money. Hedge out your bets if you're betting on him. Like, it's bad. Because I remember seeing that look on Spivak's face in that Paris France show, and he was just, like, showing up. Like, he looks all like, at the check-in station. His head's all shaved. I'm like, what did they do to this guy? Did they feed him some some shit or something? What's going on? Like, And, like, he just, like, he just, like, froze. And, like, he had, like, weird, like, Billy Madison. Like, not Billy Madison. Like, happy, uh, not happy Gilmore. Whatever the football Adam Sandler movie is. Like, when he finally did decide to rush, it was like he looked like Adam Sandler's character in that movie going for a tackle. Bobby Boucher. Like, uh, it was it was insane. But the common thread, Fenyo, for all this bad fight IQ samples, heavyweights. I mean, oh, all yeah. heavyweight sure. fights. Sure. The only non-heavyweight that came on my list, and I was re-watching the fight, uh, Marcin, speaking of Marcin Pracniao, king of this list, was a guy he fought. Because it was shout out, we actually got Thick Willie set on the broadcast earlier this year when he fought <laughs> William Knight, and of course it was like William Knight's fourth loss, so he cut him. But William Knight is practically a heavyweight, so yeah, it's practically all heavyweights. It almost like I, I'm not trying to shit on heavyweights, but folks, this isn't a coincidence, right, Menyo? And also Aldana versus Nunes is like the heavyweight of yes, true. of women's. <laughs> yeah, that is true. That is true. But just because it's the only selection that wasn't a heavyweight fight, um, I went with that uh, Aldana. So, <laughs> and I, I'm an Aldana fan like you. You know, I'm not even a hater. Like, yeah, I, I, I think, love for Aldana too. I think it was like a mental thing. Obviously, it was like sure. bad performance, and it was do- double disappointing because like Alexa just had like the complete opposite of a performance where she was, like, insanely game. Like, she won that Chevchenko first fight mostly on being game over the technicalities and all that thing. And then Aldana, like, did not show up at all for the fight. And I feel bad. I feel bad for her. I, I'm glad she, she came back with a good win, a great fight in her last one, so... Um, Wrestle uh, uh, Jamia says uh, Matias Mendonca versus Nate Manis. I remember that was kind of a weird one too, almost like a Gon Jones esque 
right? Wasn't it like and like Madness gets the sub or something? I forget. Like it was a weird. Perform- Mandoka was like pretty heavily favored. Oh yeah, uh, there was also I don't know if this was uh, this year, but uh, Willie got fouled. Uh, is it Danny Munoz his name or Johnny Munoz? Uh, he- Johnny Munoz, yeah. Yeah. He tried to rest like the whole fight. It was so weird. Yeah, that was that like, was, was really weird. All the wrestling exchanges and he kept going for the takedowns. It was like very weird performance. I I'm like sure that he was injured or something. It was a very weird performance. Yep. You know I gotta mention this one from our guy Dan Albert though, Fenyo. Dragus Duplessis takedown fail on Derek Brunson or the Torres Maeda double heel hook tribute is a serious contender for things I saw this year. I love that reference, Dan. And yeah, I, we definitely have to mention just the stupid chaos that ended in a very sensible way with the corner throwing the towel in, by the way, uh, for MMA standards. But that was just a stupid bananas fight. Anything to say on that one, Fenyo? On which one? Sorry. Uh, Drakus uh, Duplessis versus takedown fail on Derek Brunson. Just that whole fight in general. Oh, yeah. He, I mean, he just had to do it again. <laughs> I mean, it's funny because he, 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 he's failing upwards. But yeah, Dreykus is another fighter. Like you could just like clip any part of his fight. Like probably like eighty percent of his fights would qualify for. Like why did he do this here? <laughs> he's like he's still winning. Um, yeah, yeah, you wonder how he wins fights. Like Jin Karasu, but uh, but why? I stole that from Jack Slack. Okay, you guys are bigger. You guys are gonna get me in trouble from Jack Slack. Are you? Am I gonna have to change these? I don't need a. <laughs> I don't need. I don't need gimmick infringement. We already got uh, my guy. Uh, we already got the sweet intros from Rias and Tuesday. I'll, I'll I'll cut it off there, but uh, we'll see if we change that wording for next year. Uh, Ronan Curtis Drake is falling over and pulling people on top of him is a classic. It's very classic. It's pulling him out. I actually felt like that today. I went for um a crappy double that I wasn't really in position to to get and uh we ended up in like a weird rolling scramble off of it and like at a certain point i felt like i was getting guillotine countered so i ended up just making sure not just to pull to my back but to pull at least into like a half guard with uh on the right side to make sure that i'm safe from getting choked and then i just you know do my half guard get up to get back up but yeah i was like i felt like like i was like i was showing the other day that uh step around take down that that oh that that I guess the knee dude hit on Cody Durden. What's his name? Um, oh yeah. Uh, uh, and I I really want to try that takedown, but I'm sure like I'm now. going to end up on my back a lot. Like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. That's, uh, you gotta like you gotta like go first on the step around. That's like the big difference with the, yeah, with the outside trip. Yeah, you really gotta commit on those ones. Um, Reyes is in Truesdale. Dan, do you know my but why is Mackenzie Dern versus Jessica Andrade equal bragging about your distance control that she learned from Cejudo then fighting with her chin in the air and getting starched? Yeah, you know what? Oh, Daniel Ulanbekov, Ulan yeah. Yeah, that too, yeah, yeah. I, I like that uh, Mackenzie Dern versus Andrade shout because that was almost the underdog spot. You know, she lost multiple times as an underdog as well. But that was just one of those spots where it was like, okay, this is the perfect spot. The overhyped person versus the person not getting enough love. Yeah. Uh, and also, like, it was like, uh, Darren leaving Parillo, and immediately, like, she does all the MMA stupid shit that all fighters do. <laughs> yes. Like, the crazy kicks, the changing stances, like, 
Okay, okay. Yep. I, I don't have a boxing coach anymore. I, I'm a, like a gimmick MMA fighter now. Yeah, and that, that was another one where I, I was calling from the beginning. Like, you guys really, like, she wasn't taking it on a short notice like Mitchell, but the the red herring, is that even used properly here, was that she, she, she left Perillo's camp. That was the big red. That was the one thing tethering her to anything. Like... Um, Pepe Silva, nice to see Dan smiling and laughing again. Happy holidays. Thank you, Pepe. I appreciate you, man. Hope hope, hope you and yours are, are doing well. Um, Dan Albert, Fenyo and I podcasted enough to, to stop caring how much we got things wrong. It's totally fine so long as we're able to uh, assess it afterwards. Unfortunately, stupid things happen. That really well said. Yeah, really well said. I, I should take that advice probably more to heart, to be honest. But yeah, uh, we're able to laugh at it now, though. It's That's why it's... It's funny. Um, last one before I move on, and I'll, I'll catch up on the rest of you guys later. Um, Makoto Kayagoku. But why? Amanda Lemos not preparing to wrestle and using her regular game against a fighter that fights like water. Who's that? Who's this? Who's uh, this Zhang Weili. Zhang Weili. Oh, yeah, yeah. Duh, duh. Just thinking of that. Yeah, duh. yeah that, that minus 500 looking at. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, not much to say about that one. Um, all right, uh, I'll squeeze in one more, Pepe Silva. The Gone slash Jones fight had scripted vibes to me. Yeah, that, I mean, I think even people who like John Jones and picked him were like, "What? Well, okay." <laughs> like you know, especially people who like were smart and like realized what they're looking at. Even they were like, "Okay, that's that was kind of weird." That was, all right. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean, Gan Gan is not a good grappler, but right. But we know he grapples a little bit. Like yeah. he submits people sometimes. Like. It was like embarrassingly bad. Like the dude completely froze. Uh, someone, oh yeah, Russell Jamie is shouting that Kron Gracie against Jordan. That that one is like. Oh know? yeah, 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 yeah. That was that was that's actually that's really deserving. That's a good shout. I mean, you know, not surprising. Sadly, at the same time though, but at this, you know, but for judging it on face value, absolutely that deserves uh, to be shouted and and perhaps an award. Um, Especially because Kron uh, looked promising against Kuf Swanson, to be honest. Yeah. Like, like, I mean, if he fought that same fight, he was still going to lose against Jordan, but uh-huh. at least it's one, it, it was going to be a fight. Like, he did not try anything on that one. Yeah. Jordan, I, was, I also looked at Jordan as well for a possible underdog of the year, but I'm like, no, he wasn't an underdog that much. I just counted him out a bunch and was wrong on him a bunch. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm always wrong about Jordan. Um, but uh, moving on, um, Mikatsu, speaking of Makatsu Kayagoku, Best Chinese Fighter Award. I just think this is just funny because it's just random and it, it, it might piss people off just because, why are you giving an award to a Chinese fighter? And, and you know what? With all the strays, and you know, I get it. I, I do my own you know, regional stereotypes when I talk about MMA. I think we all do to a certain extent. We try to do it respectfully and hopefully non-racistly, but uh, you know... The the the, uh, the Asian scene, especially the Chinese scene, definitely you know it, it's growing. It's still you know developing, but uh, even like more developed scene, air quote developed scenes like the Japanese scene, you know, gets disrespected with classic stuff like, oh, they don't do well in North America. The Japanese don't travel well. They're like Asian pears. They bruise. <laughs> You know, like, I don't, I don't know, like, you know, you're all, like, the classic, like, 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 people just, I've heard people just straight up, like, and, you know, and, and it's, it's all friends of mine, like, fucking Asian, and it's, like, friends of mine that'll say this shit, too, so it's just, like, it's just one of those things where I don't think we realize how we're being, you know, and some people will just straight up use, like, slurs, I don't think they realize it's they'll be like, it's fucking Chonaman, like, all this crazy, <laughs> shout out to Cheeto Vera, by the way, <laughs> 
Uh, I found that tweet, by the way, where I quote tweeted it with the uh, Big Lebowski. Um, you okay, Ben? You're itchy over here, buddy, huh? Uh, the Big Lebowski. Uh, Chimen is not the issue, dude. Um, but, you know, also, you know, so uh, I kept it in here. And I actually have a legit, I'm not just going to go with um, Zhang Wiley, although I feel like, you know, this could be the Zhang Wiley Award, especially because it's, it's the Zhang Gang in my chat. So be careful, Fenyo. If you slander yeah, Zhang Wiley, they'll come after you, buddy. I got to give you that warning. Um, so obviously I want to give her that respect. So hopefully my own, I won't get, uh, you know, what's the word? Uh, what happened to Captain Cook and a lot of those genocidal maniacs uh, when they get killed by their own crew? Uh, hopefully that doesn't happen to me here. But I'm going to go with the guy that I'm studying right now um, for potential prospect list. And that's uh, Tian Hao Feng, who's fought a bunch this year. Um, I, it's hard to track a lot of, uh, down on this guy. Um, I'm in the process of right now. Um, but he recently... <clears throat> Sorry, I got it. Uh, we got it pulled up right here. Yeah, he recently scored a a, a big uh, win over a former Pancrase flyweight champ, um, Miki. This brutal flying knee KO. Kaposa posted it, uh, and yeah, this is 14th straight win, eighth in 2023 alone. Um, so go look up that highlight, and I'd say go look him up. But I'm I've got a couple tabs on him right now, actually, and it's hard to find stuff, uh, social and video. Um, not a ton, but yeah, uh, he's a guy that I'm going to be keeping an eye on and you should too. Did you come up with anything for this category, Fenio? No, I mean, I just went straight to Jean Weili. Yeah, <laughs> there we go. Okay. She got one, folks. Don't kill us. She got one. But, but I mean, it's been very interesting, like, like trying to make something a bit more serious about the, the <laughs> meme award. But <laughs> I mean, Chinese, uh, development from Chinese fighter has been very interesting, uh, because we've seen like very different metas translating. Like, I don't know if you remember the, the early, like, UFC Chinese fighters were, were mostly, like, grapplers. And I'm guessing because the strikers were still staying in, like, sand and kickboxing over there in China. And it was, like, the guys from Jiu-Jitsu gyms that were translating over. Uh, and now we have most mostly, like, these Sanda fighters that are, like, very big strikes with very athletic wrestling and it, it's a it's a cool style to see it's it's different from what we've seen even though a lot of them train in the usa and all that they still have those uh they have somewhat of a of a style and i think that's that's very cool definitely you know i, I want to shout out before we push on a random tommy to hold bit that i feel like they, they really missed out on it was back when they were doing like a tough china or something like that back in the day right yeah and uh, Tommy Toll had a bit where he did his Dana White character. And he's like, Tough China's going to be the new thing. In fact, we're even bringing you a Chinese Dana White. Yep, Chinese Dana White is the shit. Chinese Dana White has already been hard at work. And I'm like, I'm just picturing, like, they should have made a Chinese Dana White. How funny would that have been, you know? Like, it, 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 it wouldn't look any, it would just be like a bald Chinese guy. He probably would, like, resemble, you know, like, probably like, you know, uh, Kim Jong-il in stature. I know I'm citing a Korean here, folks. But he probably resemble more like a Kim Jong-il, but just have his head shaved. They would call him, they'd call him Chinese Dana White. He's really from Singapore. His name's Hank. You know, but, <laughs> but you know, it, it's all influence. There's no real media now, because if you guys noticed, we're all just shifting the influencer culture, you know? That's that's who's covering and calling. It's all influencers now. Um, that Might as well just have like a Chinese Dana, like a Hasbro. You parade him around, you just slap some people, you know, just like the real like Dana those- White. Like Chinese Elon Musk and Chinese Barack yes. Obama. Have yes. seen those? <laughs> yes. Yes, just make the just go in. Just go in with the gimmick, you know, open your PI, have him there to cut the ribbon. <laughs> uh, they never had like 
tough again in China. <laughs> no, no, no. I remember that guy Tian Tranzong, the, the I forget what his name was, but that was like the one Chinese fighter. He had like a WEC fight and like one UFC fight or something too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right, we're getting sidetracked here, but shouts for that one. All right, best Southpaw of the year. Pushing it forward, I will. I will get back to you guys. Don't worry in the chat. Keep it going. Best Southpaw of the year. So. We've probably already covered a lot of this crossover and whatnot. Um, I want you to go first on this one because I, 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 you know, I don't want to already have maybe a burned a choice here for you. Uh, which award, sorry? Uh, the Southpaw of the Year, the Southpaw of 2023. Oh, okay. Who's your um, Southpaw of the 2023? I, I think based just on a single performance, just because of the difficult style matchup and because of the application of the open stance to to alleviate the, the troubling of the matchup and because it's it's such a, a different fight from the first because this is a rematch uh, actually a third uh, a trilogy fight i'm going to go with leon edwards myself nice just because nice. of the just because of the usman uh three fight just a very impressive performance and just uh, excellent application of open stance tactics to to deal with a with a complicated style matchup, despite Usman being like physically diminished by now, and not that much as we saw against uh, Shimaev, like he's still a, a a tough customer yeah. nowadays. Usman is, so I, I wouldn't count him out. And I think the the performance from Leon Edwards, where again I think he won every round, um, very impressive, very impressive. Uh, other than Leon. Uh, I it gotta be Islam, right? If it's not Leon, it is Islam. The, the, those are obviously the two choices that make the most sense. My first pick was actually Leon Edwards here, and I feel bad because I'm, I'm I had Leon, Leon Edwards was in the running for a lot. Obviously, the southpaw technique, uh, that technique that that uh, he was right there for me for that, right? So I feel bad, but I feel less bad because you're giving him the award. So I went with a kind of um. <clears throat> Under the radar pick, which is a little key hint for possible awards as well. Um, this may or may not be somebody who you might see who gets my under the radar award, which is arguably it's more appropriate this fighter for an under the radar award. Um, but he's still my southpaw of the year because even though it's more than defensible, and with with Leon, I, 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 he was my first choice, so absolutely agree. But you, you, you're right; you probably would have to base it more off that single performance. Um, then the Covington performance, which, you know, probably not as bad as, as like casuals who criticize him said, obviously, but like, you know what I'm, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Um, but no, I went with just a real dedicated Southpaw who just, you know, and Islam is put in the fear of God in people maybe too, maybe with his left kick, you know, but you know, you want those like classic, like Southpaw, like the Crow Cop kickers, right? Those are the Southpaws who kind of got a lot of people in MMA even. Crow Cop got how many people in MMA, right? And this is a weird you know, because it's, it's a big Eastern European guy. Now I'm going to go to a, li a little brown man. But uh, I'm going to go with Jonathan Martinez, baby. The dragon. Okay. Jonathan Martinez. He is, he is going to be, uh, spoiler alert, he, he's going to be an underrated, uh, under-the-radar fighter of the year for an outlet that I write for. And um, basically based on, you know, he is, not just because he's got a cool southpaw style, but it just like Makachev, you know, being so stereotyped with his wrestling and grappling, and he's out here being a full-fledged softball striker. Jonathan Martinez has been, for quite a while, not just this year, for quite a while, even, like, going back to, like, the Frankie Sines fight, um, the other Georgian guy, Zavalashvili, I think he fought. 
Like, he's been able to wrestle for quite a bit. That's been kind of an underrated skill of Jonathan Martinez defensively and even offensively when he needs it. Um, and uh, and I think because of that and his southpaw stylings, um, he is just quietly a difficult matchup. I think he's only ranked number 12 in the UFC rankings. But you look up at the top 10, and, and as deep and as dangerous as Bantamweight is, he definitely could fit that dark horse as far as a guy who, <clears throat> despite maybe being underdog odds to a lot of people in the top 10, uh, on paper, uh, has a decent chance of being a quietly a difficult stylistic fight, which is, I know, things me and you like to look for, how we kind of break our matches down. And, uh, you know, he has that really uh, kind of ugly fight, but, he's not, you know, he was a big underdog. I was there live, drunk off my ass, cheering for him in the, the <laughs> Davalashvili, uh, Jan, Peter Jan card. By the way, I, I, mi- I missed my joke for Chinese Fighter of the Year. I was like, well, since Peter Jan and... Kevin Lee and Andrea Lee had such a bad year as I can't go with my usual Chinese fighters. You know, you usually think about the Yans and the Lees. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it's kind of my fantasy Jewish fight league joke. You know, Rosenstruck and Semmelsberger, you know. Uh, <laughs> I forget. Oh, Olberg, Carlos Olberg. You know, clearly Jewish Jewish fighters. Rosenstruck and Olberg, <laughs> right? You know, uh, KGB Lee. You know, KGB Lee, you know, I don't think she realizes the sickle thing. Like like Petrovsky, they, they're probably people who you ask them probably hate communism, yet they have it. T- anyway, but, uh, you know, there, there, there's some relations there. I think Peter Jan's part Chinese, right? There's some there's some relation when you get deep into Russia down there. So, uh, you know, the, I missed that joke. But, yeah, um, sorry, back to Jonathan Martinez. Yeah, he has that, he, he, he can wrestle a bit, you know. And then, of course, Adrian Janes, that fight. I know, I thought it, there were people like me who were picking Martinez, and he was, people were questioning why he was favored, but it, it we we could see that it was a tough stylistic matchup, especially for Giannis at this point. Giannis at this point of his career, where he was at, um, I think that was maybe not. They they might have thought it was an easy fight for him, maybe somebody, the matchmakers or something, but it was not. And uh, yeah, he doesn't just do you know the guess to the body or the head, but he also goes to the legs with brutality. I mean, two leg kick stoppages. I know one of them came just last year in October against Cub, but he got one this year in 2023 as well. Um, was able to utilize his underrated grappling, even as that. Um, was I, Martinez versus Saeed this year? Yeah, yeah, that was that uh, oh, Las that's, Vegas card. Uh, the, the that's Bosch very Leon. good. Yeah, that's a very good win. Yeah, I mean, he had two really, big, you know, two two big wins, you know, um, against uh, some decent names that, that get some respect in the division. And I know, I know, it, it's much more justified to go Makachev or Edwards. Edwards is my first pick for what it was worth. He was my main front runner here. He's probably the most deserving. So I'm glad Fenyo went with him, but uh, I just wanted to give some love to the dragon. Yeah, and and if you wanna go like super racist, you can give the Chinese one to Martinez because he's the dragon. So. Yes, yeah, that's right, that's right. Oh my god, <laughs> I was like Paul, Paul, Paul was Paul fellow the Irish dragon. I was like okay, that, that that that's definitely like uh that's something that like would, would have been my uh screen name on my AOL days back in the 90s. <laughs> Actually by the way my AOL screen name was Dynasty Dragon, but it wasn't because I was like trying to be Asian. Dynasty was actually a skate company and when I was like creating my passwords and stuff, like the internet wasn't a big deal at that that was like the first internet, right? AOL for a lot of us. I was like this shit's not going to last. So I was like what's my name? Uh I look at my shirt and it was it said Dynasty and there was an outline of the dragon. It was a skateboarding <laughs> company and I'm like Dynasty Dragon. <laughs> I'm like, that's my name. <laughs> and uh, I was like, oh, wow. I'm really playing into the Asian stereotypes. Well, I'm doing martial arts. It's not good. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> Got to come clean. Skate, brands, 
skate brands were such a the big thing back yeah, in the day. You know what I'm talking remember, about? Like, oh yeah, dude. Like I had like I had like 15 uh, independent uh, t-shirts, like independent t-shirts. Yes, like. me too. I barely, I barely skated. <laughs> me too. I I actually was 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 pretty into it uh, in a lot of respects um, for a while, but as far as skating wise, I sucked and I didn't skate a lot. Like. I think it was like a, a fake, a, a, a fake, a, a fake. Sorry, a fakey shove it, pop shove it was my best trick, and a board slide was my best. Was the only grind I could do in a box or curb. <laughs> it was bad. I was even worse than that. I couldn't kick I flip. Used, I couldn't heel flip. I used to ride like how do you call those scooters like racers or whatever yeah, you call them? Yeah, I used to used to ride those a lot, oh, wow. and I used to. I, I wore like DC shoes for like three years straight too. So. Oh, I love skateboarder <laughs> shoes, man. Yeah, I, I I could talk skater shoes too, like certain certain designs. The Kriegers. And, and I'm wearing like a Vans t-shirt. Yeah, <laughs> there we go. Yeah, nice, nice. No, uh, I I love uh I I just always love skateboarding and like skaters like Rodney Mullen and stuff and and whatnot. So there's that. Um, all right, uh, let's let's get through these. David Clark quarter person slash moment of the year. So obviously, uh, I think they uh, they also included Pat Barry uh, when they suggested this. This was from um, who suggested this? The David Clark of the year. Uh, I don't have it written down here. Whoever might have suggested that one. I think. Oh, you know what it was? It was um, it's a dude on Twitter. Uh, I think his name's out. M Boys. M Boys on Twitter suggested this one, and obviously I do my David Clark impersonation. Like you got to fight, goddamn! And he had like last year, like last year, you would have had that UFC San Diego show where he was just going crazy. He's just like, if you hurt me, and he's like, he almost hits the ring card girl like that one where he's like, you got fucked. Um, like that's what obviously these are these are for, you know, um, you know, you. But it's weird, you know. Devin Clark did fight this year, but he didn't let his father in the corner, so we immediately we get no David Clark, right? Um. <laughs> Rose Namajunas, we didn't have any cr- crazy Rose performances for Pat Barry. I know, he- and then when Pat Barry did show up, he's ironically doing a really good job with Alonzo Menafield right now, which I didn't that see was coming. So weird. That's so weird because I I've never thought much of Pat when he's in Rose's corner. Right. But when he's in Alonzo's corner, he's actually good. <laughs> yeah, when he's when he's again. Remember how I said I how, mean, how maybe gamble- he gets too emotional for Rose. I don't know, but. I was very surprised in the in the two crude fights and now in the in the Jacoby fight, uh, Pat Berry actually good on on a lot so many fields corner. <laughs> yeah, I know, and that also it sucked because not only does it ruin that, but uh, that joke, but it also ruins the joke of like, remember when I was saying how MMA gamblers, how like I kept comparing them to like Jared Fogle or like pedophiles essentially because they just they love <laughs> the the younger the better. Like, I was gonna be like MMA gamblers pick fighters to to support the same way that P- Pat Barry picks fighters to support. You know, like, I was gonna, <laughs> but now I can't say it. No, I'm just kidding. I, 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 I can't yeah, Mayfield is not even young. So. Actually, you know what? He's actually he's younger. He's younger than Rose so at this point, I think. Still, right? So is maybe, he? Maybe, I, he's he's quietly one of those dudes who looks like he's older, but he's like in his twenties still. Menafield, where it's like, dude, it looks like you have you you got two mar. You look like in deep in your thirties with two marriages in the rear, and you look at no, the stats. He's like twenty eight, twenty nine. He's no. thirty six. Oh, he's thirty six. Okay, maybe I'm thinking yeah. of someone else. Wow. Okay. Wow. He started. He started his MMA career super late. I don't know what yeah. he used to do before. But. Well, maybe that's what allows Pat to focus with him. Yeah, you know? <laughs> the, the, the dynamic's not of there. Course. Of 
course he was a football player. <laughs> oh my gosh, Manfield. I wonder why he. That was, that was so weird because like he and he left like a, a you know a, a good structured camp too, um, Fortis. But you know he's doing good now, so shouts to him. But yeah, back to this award. There wasn't and who's that other guy? His name's Eric something, but he is OSP's corner man. He's always doing weird stuff like, listen to the floor, feel it from the floor. Come on, Vance, feel it from the floor. And you hear like smart guys like Brian Stan going, yeah, you know, sometimes fighters just need to hear things, you know? It doesn't need to be the most technical. And then they're trying to cover up because you could tell they've got a rapport with this guy. You know? we, we had we Goggins in Tony's corner, right? Yeah, that's the, that feels like the easy pick. For many reasons, recency, even without the recency bias, but who did who did you have? I have a weird, a cheeky uh, take on this pick. I went, I kind of bent it a little bit. So I want you to go first. I, I, I was I was thinking on on Leon's coach, but that was last year. Yeah, and that was amazing. That was yeah. amazing. <laughs> and, and, He's kind of crying. But... Yeah, yeah. And, and again, we, a lot of the crazies have died down too. Like Henry Hoof's not as as violent as he's not as he's not losing his, his shit anymore. Like he's matured. Although sometimes I did, um, I almost wanted to track it down. Like with Brendan Allen, like I was saying last time, I broke him down. You could tell that Brendan loses focus a lot, and that Henry knows because like in some of the fights, it'll be like kind of quiet, like in the apex or whatever, and not a lot's going on, and you'll just hear Hoof go, "Focus, Brendan." <laughs> focus like he's just like yeah, but, clenching his teeth but Henry Henry has has gotten so much better in he the does, psychology he side oh, yeah he's uh, way better he's, he's come a long way since then don't give up don't give up don't quit where's the rumble I know R.I.P. Yeah, the grays and the glasses Henry Henry's really matured out but my point is there wasn't a lot this year so um yeah, yeah I think Goggins he was screaming his yeah. heart. His heart that, out that's a good pick. Yeah. So do you want to know what I ended up with? It wasn't a corner man, but again, this is corner man slash corner moment, right? So I actually had to go to a neutral corner and not to a corner man. Um, because this was just a really random, like, what the fuck one. This wasn't, I mean, it kind of is funny because it's like, not in a million years would I expect this or expect it again. But it was back at UFC 294 when Victor Henry gets sent to the neutral corner for a clear low blow. <laughs> and we get the corner audio. We get the same mics that we do in the corner, right, for the doctors and the refs, right? And we hear this ref who had a performance that evening, by the way, right? He got the Johnny Walker and Goliath fight canceled. He asked him, where are you at? The desert. Nope, this fight's over. Um, he was he straight up gaslighted one of the most direct nut shots. I mean, if it wasn't... Even if it was a grazing shot, the balls, no. the balls no. to gaslight a fighter, even on a grazing shot. This was a direct hit, and he was just... Victor Henry is a tough ass. Yeah. This was just, I couldn't believe what I was seeing, as far as in any corner. So I, it, I, didn't, it didn't hit your balls. <laughs> yeah, it did. And he looks at it like, what? No, it hit me square <laughs> It was all balls. It was all balls. All thick yeah. balls. It was all thick and balls. Yes. And they're having this conversation. And then again, the commentary having to like clean it up, but also give their opinion because they can't believe it either. They're like, what are we seeing? It was all thick and balls. Oh, God. Yeah, that, that was amazing. Yeah. So I got to go with, I got to go um, with that one. All right. Uh, uh, before we clean up the basic ones of the year, I'm just going to do a little bit of chat cleanup and then we'll, we'll get out of here. I don't want to. 
<laughs> this is already running running really long. So just a couple here. Uh, Jimmy Kudo says, Tajir Ulambekov is what Fenyo was talking about earlier. Yeah, yeah, he caught that. Yep, that's right. I know that because my boy Ghost loves uh, Tajir. Sumiterji, Makato Kayagoki. This is a shout to our favorite fighter. We know who that is. Song Yadong deserves it for how hot his body is. All right, okay, there we go. Song Yadong, baby. By the way, hey, you know what? Yadong, let's do, you know what? He's uh, He is uh, not just breaking the Asian stereotypes and, and, and you know, and the handsomeness and all and all those things that we don't get credit for uh, as much as we should. But uh, how about Song Yadong just being explosive? You know what I'm saying? Like, because Asians always get unassuming. And of course, shout out to the Jack Slack podcast, right? It tells the black guys to get explosive. Like, Song Yadong can even that out, you know? You know, let's 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 give uh, the black athletes more, you know, more credit for their skill. God forbid. And hey, God forbid, you know, pump the Asian athletes up a little I mean, bit. We, give give we us the explosive. Of, Make us feel a little a dangerous. Lot of explosive, explosive Asian fighters this year. I mean, we have Song. We have Zhang Weili. Yeah, she's explosive. And also, the what's the name of the Japanese wrestler? That oh, guy. Uh, Rinja Nakamura. Rinja Nakamura, yeah. yeah. That guy's really... He's fucking beast. Southpaw yeah. 2. There we go. Southpaw 2. That's right. Um, I think naming it the Whaley Award would be awesome. We may have to go there, K- K- uh, Makato. James Kendrick, uh, I'm down with that name. Name it the Zhang Whaley Award for the hardest working Asian fighter. All right. that, that, that I like that. I like that. We'll, we'll, we'll lean more toward that uh, next year. Uh, Chinese Dana White, that's Chachri, right? <laughs> yeah, I get that. Uh, that's definitely... That's definitely one. Elon Ma is amazing. <laughs> oh my gosh! All right, uh, shout uh, chat's great. Keep it up. I'm gonna get back to you guys. I just want to get back to these awards. Um, all right, we're gonna close it out here with uh, the normal ones, and then we're gonna close it out with uh, heartbreak and feel good. So we'll end on a positive note. So fighter of the year male. Uh, I'll go first because I already announced it on Twitter. Um, I just went with Alessandre Pantoja here. Obviously, he's not a big Pantoja fan. He could have been the most reliable dog for me. You know, he was an uh, he was an underdog um, against a fighter he already beat. You know, it was really classic Robbie Lawler vibes. Uh, UFC 189, Robbie Rory too. You know, he was fighting for his respect that night. Co-main event on one of the best cards of the year, UFC 290, where Robbie Lawler was also on as well. By the way, a lot of good fights. Volk Rodriguez we talked about was on that card. Um, a lot of good fights on that one. Uh, Third Rikus, Duplessis taking out my boy Rob Bobby Nux. But I, uh, but yeah, uh, which we're not doing card of the year, but that will be my card of the year. And Pantoja is my fighter of the year for reasons I've always stated till you guys are blue in the face. You guys know I love Pantoja. What do you got, Fenyo? Yeah, I mean, um, I think there's a good argument for Islam again, mm-hmm. but especially the, but I think Islam maybe next year because uh, I think Charles didn't show up too much in that fight. Yeah. I mean, it was, he exposed the, the worst parts of the matchup. Right. And Islam didn't, didn't look that great fighting a smaller guy in Volkanovski. I mean, I rate that win highly, but, sure. but I think that yeah, Pantoja, because he's like, it's like a fighter that the UFC did not want to give the title shot, even though he deserved it for so long. Yeah. And, and then, and then also like they give him like a super unfair rematch. Uh, unfair in the sense that I think fights are so like volatile that I think like 
you fire should not rematch as soon as uh, very soon and i think the royval uh, title shot was like not very justified to be honest yeah and i'm pretty sure like the ufc wanted to get rid of pantoja yep. uh pantoja speaks uh i think the ufc dislikes the the brazilians that speak a little english more than those that do not speak english at all <laughs> Because they show up to to like a press conference yeah. and they speak in their in their broken English and <laughs> they do not get a lot of engagements. <laughs> yep. And, yeah, I mean, I think it was it was like the tech stacked against Pantoja and Pantoja who deserved the title shot like super super long ago, especially after walking over Perez like he did. Yeah. And two great performances like. Two greedy, great performances from a from a veteran, and winning those like decisions against the cardio machines that they they were expecting him to lose. So it was uh, amazing. Yeah. And say what you and say what you will about the the cardio, right? But you it, it the fact is you could argue that he is arguably an unheralded five round fighter. We were worried about it at yeah, first, for sure. but you could argue that he's an unheralded five round fighter because we saw two different style matchups, two different difficulties. And uh, he ends up uh, getting through and, and beating. Wow! And I probably, I probably won the fifth round on both on both fights. So, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, he was he was more tired than Royval and Moreno, but they couldn't take advantage of that. Yep, I'm gonna try to plug something in so I don't run out of power. Um, so who is uh who ends up being your your fighter of the year? Does it Makachev or or Pantoja? Oh, I've got to go with Pantoja. Too. My man. Yeah. Thank you. Because that, that it, it's true. And Mak- now that Makachev doesn't deserve it. Oh, we got some power, hopefully. Cool. All right. We're, we're going to keep the stream alive. I just plugged uh, in Leon, some power. Leon was on the as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Leon deserving. And and we, we gave it to, uh, we as an MMA junkie gave it to Sean Strickland. Obviously, I'm from Extreme Couture. I'm not going to oh, yeah. doing coach. Oh, yeah. Sri Lanka too, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, say what you will, man. This That, that crazy underdog performance to beat Adesanya. Um, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't blame anybody for that. But at the same time, you know, these are guys that Panto, the the brave Brazilians, the Brazilian war horses, as I call it. You know, like it, it, it was a feel good moment, like when Glover or Dubronx won. These guys aren't supposed to win. You know, they're past their primes. You know, so to speak, as far as miles go, they all have a lot of miles. By the time they get there, they're not supposed to get there, and they all seem like really good salt of the earth based dudes. You know. Charles Dubronx, you know, helping the uh, favela community, uh, favela communities all the time with charities. Uh, Glover just being one of the like the best sportsmen probably we've ever seen in the octagon, um, and just like a feel good character, like everybody's favorite uncle and dad, you know. Um, and then you got Pantoja who's super based. Remember when they did the that reaction, that stupid thing where they all the you know all the engagement media was just making engagement media off of Ian Gary and not covering the fights. It was all about Ian Gary's wife that whole week, and they were asking all the fighters instead of promoting the fighters who they had for a stack card, they were using their time with the fighters to ask about Ian Gary's wife. And of all people, which I got to give credit to, Patty, 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 the white natty pimblet baby, the baddie, um, the future daddy. Uh, it was only him and Pantoja were the only people that kept it classy and were like. And I, I can't remember what Patty said, but, uh, oh, Patty said, like, I hope you're well. Oh, I think it was Ferguson actually said something classy, I think, too. And then Pantoja, they asked Pantoja, like, and, and like, and he was just, Pantoja was just like, I forget, he said something like, oh, whoa, wait a minute, you're talking about family? People, you, yeah. you want to make sure you keep your teeth if you talk about family. I'm like, that's based as fuck. It's like threatening the people to lose, they're going to lose their teeth if they talk about family. I'm like, that's what's up, Pantoja. 
fucking tell him. Just cold. And he's not even trying to be. You know, he's just so based, you know? And it's just like these guys with these fighters when they make it. I just feel like, you know, like I said, you know, and I, and I said it when we were doing our voting. I was, because I voted for Pantoja. Full, full disclosure, you know? I don't always vote for Extreme Couture people, folks. Believe it or not. But uh, I was just like, if we're not giving the award to the people who shouldn't be here, they make it against all odds, both in life, in the octagon, and the politics that tie both those things together. Like, they have it all against them, and they make it. Like, if we're not celebrating that, if we're not happy for those people, what the fuck are we even doing here? What do, are, are we just lining up to... And I and even me, who's saying this, are we just lining up to give Makachev awards? I gave Makachev two awards on this, and he was up for, like, four, right? He was really close to getting, like, four. I gave him two, you know what I'm saying? I'm not, I'm not hating or whatever, but it's just, like... I was like, he's deserving. I'm not saying he's not deserving, but I'm like, do I want to just be another person lining up in that already long queue that's always going to be there for the Makachevs and the Khabibs of the world, right? Or am I going to give it to the underrated dudes who are, you know, probably not going to hold on to it for long? You know, as happy as I was for Charles, you know, uh, you know, it, it was nip and tuck how long he was going to hold on to that belt for, right? And I kind of feel the same way with Pantoja, and Pantoja feels the same way. And I hate that people use that against them and be like, oh, well, Flyweight and Pantoja is not impressive because the division sucks because their champion's not good because anybody could beat him. I'm like, or it's just an amazing division and anybody could beat anybody. It's your perspective there, you know? Yeah, it is a, it is a very competitive uh, division. And and yeah, I mean, you can argue that it it, it has seen better days. But, right. But I think at the, at the, at the very top, it's, still elite like you can say that some fighters are flawed in some ways but right. but they're still like super dangerous and well put together fighters like way better than on the heavyweight classes yep yep uh female fighter of the year um who'd you go with for this one no i think the i think the logical pick here is alexa yep uh but I have two interesting ones to add to the mix. Right. Uh, Non-champions, uh, I would say uh, Blanchfield, uh, especially the, the win against Andrade, very yeah. impressive. And even though uh, I think if you run it back with with Tyler, uh, Tyler could win that fight. But I still think uh, Blanchfield showed a lot in, yeah. in the heart department, in the yeah. cardio department. Uh, because she was getting off strokes like badly and but then she took advantage of the opportunity she had on that third and I, I think uh, Tyler won that fight to be honest uh, no I'm not sure I think I scored for Tyler the third round yeah. I'm not I'm not super sure but I, I but yeah I mean but, but still I still I am very impressed with Blanchfield yeah. uh, especially because how young she is in her career and she looks very composed. Uh, the cardio looks great. Physicality, and also shout out to Mayra Bueno Silva. Yeah, nice, nice. Yeah. I mean, she she finished Holy Home mm -hmm. on a main event. Yeah. Holy Home main. She yeah. saved us from a Holy Home main event. <laughs> I I feel good. Yeah, I feel I I feel good about Mayra Bueno Silva because um that that was one of the ones where like. I'm not, you know, the biggest, I'm not, I, I I don't think I would call myself a WMA hater, but I'm like, I'm not the biggest, like, fan either, right? It's like, I'm like, but, like, there are fighters that get me excited, I'm not afraid to say so. Myra Buena Silva, I think I put a flag on her even pre, it was pre uh, her draw, which I think was, like, a majority draw, which I still think was bullshit. Like, it's a crazy, it, it's the most 
crazy draw you could see where one fighter essentially beats the shit out of another fighter against Montana De La Rosa. But, um, oh, yeah. and she was training, she's not an American top team now with Pahumpa, but she, at that time she was actually training with Dubronx and those guys. And I imagine she went to ATT just because there's not a lot of women, I imagine, at Shoebox. And, uh, there's a ton of women at ATT and Brazilians. So it made sense. But, um, that's what kind of caught my eye because she was from that camp. And you could see the pieces together, you know, it's just she had to kind of put it together. And she still is, is in that process, but it's coming together. And, um, yeah, she made me some money this year. I'm glad. It, it, I'm glad I was able to cash my betting tickets before her home outcome got overturned on some BS. Also, she kind of beat um, Manon Fiorot in their in their fight. Yeah, that was that was a fight that was quietly close to people realize. I remember doing the um, study for Fiorot, I think, and it's it was it was it was amazing because like uh, I think I picked Rose Namajunas of all times to beat her via a head kick because for as much as kicking and karate style striking that Fiorot is. Uh, known for she's like almost been head kicked and corralled in a head kick so much it's kind of weird how like she's got like a complete blind spot for that but I went with Grasso uh, for the obvious reasons I'm glad we spent time talking about the other fighters though I think they deserve that time Uh, also shout out to Tatiana Suarez who is uh, posed to do some good things Southpaw as well Southpaw as well okay um, Yep, Yanjian, yeah, yeah, absolutely, Yanjianan, uh, Um Fight of the year. This one was easy for me, but there was a decent, there was a decent amount we could shout here. I think. Um, I, I, I went with just, I went with the Pantoja Moreno too. Again, I'm not gonna keep waxing on this fight, but for me, that was just the fight of the year on the card of the year. Um, it went to decision, but it just, it just had everything that I love. And I uh, feel confident with that that pick, but there's plenty that you could pick for. What did you land on, Fenyo? Yeah, I was. I have three. Uh, I think the the one I, the one I'm going to the one the the one I'm going with at the end is Pantoja Moreno. Uh, and I wanted to shout out uh, two uh, smaller fights, uh, but yeah, I mean uh, Kutatelatsa versus Evan Brenner. And uh, Borsha versus oh, what's his name? I'm forgetting the name, but, but yeah, the Borsha fight yeah, versus yeah. Uh, Sadiko. Yeah, yeah, those that was good. those those three were my absolute favorite. Uh, I I especially want to talk about the uh, Borsha Sadiko and the uh, and the really Brenner because they weren't like super high stakes. Yeah, they still had me like at the edge of my seat. Like they were Great. so exciting Shouts. there. Yeah, I, I love when I, I mean, I I was invested in those fights because I, I've watched plenty of tape. I've seen many fights of all four fighters, but you know it's different when it's a title shot. Yeah. Uh, and these were like three rounds and these guys went to hell and back on those fights. Uh, very, very entertaining fights. So I want to shout those. And obviously, like a lot of people enjoy um Mahasha versus Volkanovski one. Um, I I liked it, especially I think that one was one of those fights that is a lot better live, and then on rewatch, you realize that it's not that good. I think that's kind of a hot take, but but yeah, uh, but yeah. I mean, uh, if I had to go with one, it's gonna be Pantoja Moreno because it was like round two. It looked like. Moreno is going to take over, like, right. and and then Pantoja came back hard, oh God, and it was like great, great fight 
from end to finish was amazing. Yeah, it, it really was a fantastic fight where, like, even though you could argue scores and everybody does in MMA, I feel like even that didn't really seem to assault people. It was such a good fight that people didn't even care if they thought one way or the other, which I obviously am biased, but I also thought that very justifiable the, the right person won. Um, great shouts as well, by the way. And then the only thing I was going to shout, we already shouted, was uh, Van and Borjas. I really, that was a kind of an underrated fight, too. I, oh, know, yeah, I, I, know, I know our guy Kyle Mack from uh, Combat Chronicles uh, loves that. I'm stoked for his uh, his stuff, too. Shouts to, shouts to him. Um, all right. Knockout of the year. Knockout of the year. I am. I'm, I want you to go first on this one, Fenyo. What did you? What made you knockout of the year? Any, any recency bias? Anything from earlier in the year? Deep I cut. have. Two, I have two okay. uh, main candidates. Uh, first is Bonfim versus nice. uh, Terence McKinney. Nice. Yeah, it was amazing, amazing, and a great performance too. And the other one is just super obvious, and with recency bias, uh, Emmett versus yeah. Bryce. Yeah. Yeah, and also, and also, I got, I wanna give a shout out to to Cody Garbrandt versus uh, Kelleher too. I love that, that one. Was a good if one. we are going with recency, yeah, that one was great too. Like face planted, super bad. You didn't burn any of my picks, surprisingly. I was obviously the front runner, and I'm not a recency bias guy, but I said this on the podcast because it was so crazy, and, and others were saying it that had no betting interest or anything like that. So I know it wasn't my bias, but yes, that was Emmett. And and Mitchell and I went to rewatch it. It was like your classic right hand, and it was brutal. Um, I don't I don't want to say it was less brutal the second time because that sounds both both wrong, but also obvious at the same time to say that. But I I had to just to get it fresh in my head to watch with the other one to see which one out. And ultimately, what one out? Um, technique wise, it was cool. I don't know if it would have been a contender for a southpaw technique. I don't know if this guy would be a southpaw of the year. But it was a million-dollar knockout. That's Patchy Mix over Rafian Stotts um, when I covered the Bellator 295 in Hawaii. It was for oh, a title. Yeah. It was for the Grand Prix title, the tournament title, and for a million dollars. So all three that was, things. That was Southpaw versus Southpaw, right? Yeah, it was Southpaw versus Southpaw. It was a, a, he did a jab, like a faint jab, and then he did another one to close. Yeah, it was a, a very peculiar, like... Uh, knee from close stances, yeah. Yeah, because that that lane is like you don't see that power lane. Um, you're usually protected from the kicks, right? Hence, like you know, Calvin Cater going southpaw against Giga to close that 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 lane, right? Yeah. Um, but something I always say, even if you're a a good striker and a normal southpaw, for whatever reason, left from the rear, we have a blind side too, and you could also count that straight lane, even though it's coming upward. For that knee, because that's just like to your side, what you said, Fenyo, is a weird striking lane that he really hits the knockout with. But it was perfect for the stature and the natural dipping propensities of a, I wouldn't necessarily call uh, Stotts a wrestle boxer, right? Um, Because he's got some like Leon Edwards looks to him too as well, right? Yeah. Um, But like, you know what I mean? But as far as that stature of a fighter, those, you know, like you're you're not too off as far as catching a dip percentage-wise in your favor. Um, whether they're dipping or not because of the height difference. And um, if you, for those of you who follow me on Instagram, Dan Tom MMA, but with the underscores between the Dan Tom and the MMA, um, I remember my Instagram stories that night. It was really crazy because I, I covered these events, these Bellator, I've covered pretty much every Bellator Hawaii event minus the 2021 show um, that, that Bellator did. So I was kind of bummed 
with this Bellator announcement, right? Because I like that they were bringing MMA back to the Blaisdell. And I'm not like a real camera hoary guy or like in- engagement video guy. But, you know, I try to make use of it and I actually get super active. I get my most engagement and follows on Instagram when I'm covering these shows live because it's cool looking. It's a Bellator show. You're out in Hawaii. Not a lot of media is out there, right? So it's yeah. kind of like Prime. And the cool part is if you follow my story, and I don't know why I was back for this, and this is not something I would do. It feels like something that I almost was mad at myself. I'm like, I couldn't remember. It must not have felt awkward at the time, which is why I did did it. But um, if you look at my IG story, I was behind the curtain when Stotts was getting ready to make his walk. And it's from his side profile, right, from his left. And you almost see him doing the talking to yourself. All right, let's go. And he almost had he almost he almost had it in his face like not like the he wasn't the over pumped guy like yeah let's go it almost was like his body language was like there was almost a shrug he almost was like all right let's see what this is about and he kind of just nonchalantly and you see him just walk past the curtain and then immediately after my next story is like you looks like you're at a pride show because they did the whole confetti falling which adds to the effect yeah. right of the knockout the million dollars but you just see confetti falling. And Stotts laying on the ground and Mick celebrating and everybody in shock. And so when you look at it from my IG story, it all stuck out to me, like, how dramatic that was. Like, you just see a guy, like, kind of walking toward the light, like an alien abduction. Like, he doesn't realize he's about to get snatched. And then the next scene, boom, he got snatched. He's gone. (laughs) (laughs) It was the craziest thing. That was crazy. And watching it felt the same, too, because and I didn't have any... Um, betting bias on this one either, obviously, because I'm covering it, so I don't I don't bet on the fights that I, I'm there covering. Um, believe it or not, I, it's weird. I'm not a journalist yet. I actually stick to journalist things. Funny that, right, Fanyo? <laughs> but like, but yeah, you know. So so I had no I had no bias or anything on there, but I did pick Stotts to win, um, and he was favored to win, and uh, and and, yeah. and and you know came through as an underdog, just like Emmett did. Um, different context. That was a stupid underdog that Emmett shouldn't have been. That made that extra sweet but yeah i uh, long-winded but patchy mix for me uh i have some other picks that i remember Shout- um, yeah sh- if you have any shouts go one of the one of the most emotional and i think we're going to talk about this one again so i won't go into more detail but Loller versus price let's just leave it at that um, <laughs> yes yeah yeah uh, Ige versus Jackson was also like very similar to like the Mitchell uh, Emmett. I'm glad you mentioned that. That was the very first card of the year, so people forget. Insane. That was a beautiful left hook knockout. Great shout. Great shout. Yeah. Uh, Um, And yeah, and now that you talk Bellator, uh, the Larkin. Oh, Lorenz Larkin. Yes, I had that written down. And the the elbow. That's beautiful. I had that written down. Bellator 290. Yeah. That Lorenz Larkin, that was right up there with my uh, right on the top for me. And also the the Bobby Green versus versus Dawson. Oh yeah, that's amazing. Absolutely, that I thought you were so gonna, gonna be a dick and say Jalen Turner. <laughs> 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 uh, I, I saw Jalen Turner by the way, and everybody was like talking to him, and like he's such a nice guy. I, I he's the one guy I actually wanted to talk to because I really like him. I was like. I owe him a beer, at least a beer for like the Brad Riddell submission. But then I also really sad still over the Bobby Green thing. <laughs> Not that it was his fault; it was Kerry Hatley's fault, who was there refing as well. <laughs> like, oh, I saw Kerry Hatley. I'm like, that'd be funny. He just gives Jalen Turner a head nod, like Fight Club, <laughs> like, uh, like a knowing nod. It's like, oh shit! Just kidding. 
<laughs> um, uh, folks, I'm going to just push to the last of the awards just because I want to get through this and get the show wrapped, and I will promise I'll touch up you guys in the chat. Uh, sub of the year. Um, submission of the year. I guess I'll go first on this one. There was another okay. recency bias cheeky pick that I really wanted to pick that's funny, and I was going to go with. I'm not going to say in case it's your pick. But I actually ended up going with something outside the UFC that happened earlier in the year as well. He was on my prospects to watch list, even though he was one of the more obvious ones. And this was a really bad performance from him in a weight class he shouldn't have been. That is the Lazy King, uh, Abduragimov, in Ares 11 when he fought, uh, what was it, the Heretic, Rafael Heretic. Um, and he's essentially losing, he goes up to middleweight, and he's a guy who probably should be at lightweight. He's not the biggest welterweight at 5, probably generous listed at 5'10". He's probably more like me, like 5'9". Um, and he went up to middleweight, was essentially getting beaten, looked stupid, had all finally had all his hype, potentially getting ready to sign for the UFC. We're watching five rounds of him getting just squashed in a big fight that they really, you know, promoted well for this organization. And we're like, oh, we're all looking stupid. All the hipsters who like the Lazy King and like me who put him in the list was looking dumb. And uh, how do you not give credit to like a Chael Sonnen, Anderson Silva, UFC 117-esque comeback fifth round submission? You know what I'm saying? And it was a knee bar. Yeah. He just rolled for I rewatched this one. Uh, my sub of the year. Just because it was a comeback yeah. stupid submission like that. That shouldn't have happened. Then he, he had, then again, took another fight where he was like super undersized on BFL on his next At one. At welterweight. I yeah. hope he does lightweight Me too. in the future. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, what, what did you have for your sub of the year? Uh, I think like on um, cool factor, like the I, I'm not picking this, but I wanted to mention the the Davy Grant versus uh, Asunsao, just because it's like a an inverted triangle. It's so weird. Uh, but I wanted to I wanted to go, and I hate that one because I love uh, half a year Asunsao. Yeah. Uh, but I wanted to go with. More for like boring because they're both like rear naked chokes, but but they were like super cool technically. Uh, the um, the Pachi mix versus Sergio that also oh, hurts yeah. my soul because yeah, Sergio know. is like one of my absolute favorites. Me too. And and Brady over Gastelum that one was very cool too. That was good. Those are great shouts. Absolutely great shouts. Um, you didn't name mine. Mine was going to be you Anderson Brito, baby, over uh, Do oh, yeah, Something. Was... Do Something. And then the, he's like, okay. The power, the power guillotine, yeah. <laughs> Especially after, uh, what's his name, JSP, worst nickname ever, you know. JSP, as, as bad of a nickname, is as bad of OSP and Henan Burrell's victory dances, right? The two worst victory dances. The <laughs> and then the weird Henan Burrell disco weird disco thing that everybody forgets about between that and weighing in on those dirty drawers his lucky drawers like he was Will Smith like get this man a new set of boxers for Christ's sake sorry random head and morale memories uh, <laughs> but yeah you Anderson Brito that that guillotine was a front runner and, and I bet on Brito too so that was extra like rewarding you're like yes underdog money catch it <laughs> uh, yeah and, and and if we were going to talk about like like not a category, but one of the like submission techniques of the year is like the power guillotine ninja choke. Yeah, we yes. saw yeah. that one quite a lot. Like Sainer Magomedo, Myra Bueno Silva, yep, uh, John Derson Brito, and and yeah, people are learning to catch it, uh, especially against grinders against the cage, and it's like a great, great tool to have in yep. there. 
especially because you're not getting out of those. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. All right, last two awards, just real quick. Jimmy Kudo's zingers in the chat over here. Uh, Jimmy Kudo, we need the Pat Berry button. Girls of 15. <laughs> appreciate that reference. Oh, my God. Couldn't they have changed the name of that song? Ronan Curtis, they took like two hours before getting Victor, Victor Henry to the hospital as well. Oh, my gosh. This is nuts. We're probably swollen to the size of grapefruits. Um, Rain Lamina, I think the proper term for Song Yadong is Black Explosive. I don't, I don't even want to go into that category for Song Yadong because we're just going to get into a whole other thing of racism. And I'm, believe it or not, trying not to steer in that direction. Uh, we are all Pantoja fans. All right, I'm glad to see Zang Gang is also Pantoja Gang. Pantoja fought off the youth bully, youth bully Moreno. I've never heard youth bully. <laughs> I'm going to assume that's a joke because that's funny. Uh, male fighter of the year for James Kendrick. For, he says, will not, uh, says, male fighter of the year for me will not go to Sean Strickland. Curious who you did give it to. There's M Boys. Thanks for taking my suggestion. I like the Grasso Lopez and what they are doing. For bad corner advice, I think Dern and her. Oh, yeah. Thug Life. How do we forget that? Great shout. Uh, as far as uh, corner moment, how about Dern getting shot at Thug Life? Thug Life! Thug Life! Against Jessica and Josh. I, I did not see that. I did not hear that. They were, yeah, that's what, I'm that, going to rewatch So that's what they traded Perillo for. That was the striking advice. Thug Life! Swing! That was the code to, to trade. Great. Great advice. Gets a Drash. Great advice when you are when you have a chin that's married to the sky and you're fighting Jessica and Drash. Um... Jinkarasu Pantoja is my fight of the year because he's a PYN favorite. I'm glad, man. I'm glad my Pantoja preaching uh, seems to have uh, infected you guys. Jin adds that I think you can say that about uh, all the divisions below 155. All of them are competitive. Um, all right. Shouts to that. All right. Uh, last two. Heartbreak of the year. I feel like we're both going to have the same ones for both of these. But go ahead, Fanyo. What did you have for your heartbreak of 2023? I mean, only as a fan. And not like not narrative or anything, just because they are my favorite fighters. Like mm. seeing like Dustin Poirier and Sergio Perez lose this year, yeah, it fucking sucked. It sucks so much. Um, great wins for for KGN Patchy. Yes, so, sure, sure. Uh, and, and very good performance by both. So that that makes it suck a little bit less. <laughs> yeah, I I think I picked no, uh, I, I picked Poirier. What and losing to East. Oh yeah. Okay. Also, just because I, I thought, like, uh, Pereira was finally fighting, like, the perfect fight against his Yes. And finally, when he actually fights well, he loses that one. It was so weird. And then Izzy does the whole taking my controller and leaving, you know. Like, oh, well, it's all, it looks like, well, it looks like it's all done here. It looks like uh, I won the series. And you're like, oh, motherfucker. And by the way, like, I, I you know, I'm not, I don't hate on Izzy for that performance, you know, um, despite some of the other stuff he did afterwards which was just it was just weird to me i just thought it was kind of weird yeah. but like uh i don't blame anybody as well for having that as their ko of the year but obviously i sentiment with fenyo here for that i'm a big poetan guy um i'm surprised you didn't mention mine considering it's burnt into my head because you impersonate uh and i'm gonna call on you to do it here live on the show you impersonate one part of this and you have to go back to ufc uh the first pay-per-view of the year ufc 283 in brazil and that was uh, the execution of Shogun. Want it for me against oh my the duelist. God, the no. duelist. We're about the to duelist. see the duel. Do we have to see that duel? Do the thing. Do his dance. Oh dance. my God, that that sucks so much, dude. Shogun <laughs> he does the is duel. My, one of one of my. But he did not fire. 
and it's oh funny. God, it's it's funny because like I I so like use I don't I don't play Fortnite so I don't even know it but I use the Fortnite analogy and the victory lap dancing analogy when I talk about like this generation just getting fucking just being the worst winners like winning stuff they have no business winning and then they feel like they have to victory lap you know and doing their <laughs> Fortnite dances so the fact that I say that Venyo and then sure enough one of my favorites one of our OG favorites right if you've been watching the sport Shogun he literally gets victory lapped. With a Fortnite meme dance, I was like, "What am I? What am I watching? What alternate reality am I watching here? This is just sad." And uh, I wrote, I wrote in my notes here. I wrote my notes. I wrote Shogun Ice by Ehor, and I wrote in parentheses, letting me know just what kind of year I was gonna be in for. As <laughs> the first pay per view of the year. <laughs> oh yeah, that was that was so bad. <laughs> like, and and Potira. For his credit, he looked very good in his last fight where he lost. Actually, yeah, yeah. But on the Shogun, on the Shogun fight, he was looking like trash. He did. And he still won, like no because Shogun is uh, because Shogun has been yeah fifty six years old since he's like thirty one. So uh, it, yeah. it was tragic, yeah. Yep. Because yep. on the same card we have. Uh, Jamal Hill killing Glover, right? Yes, yeah. Oh, that was but, that was oh, depressed. But at least, at least uh, Hill had to put on a good performance on that one. And then Glover, at least. <laughs> and then Glover. Even people that were just like you know the classic MMA betters that were like fuck the old man, yeah, down with the old man. Even those people were like teary eyed, like hey, this I get why you like this Glover guy because remember Glover just does the classic <laughs> Glover thing because he saw everybody uh, bombard. Uh, Figure, uh, Moreno with the fight before that, right? With like a bunch of like they, they threw a bunch of stuff at him, or they threw at somebody I forget. And and Glover does the classic thing. He goes, "Hey, you see this guy? He's walking back with me." So no one throws anything. Like how classy is that, Glover? Just again, like the you could almost I almost didn't have to say fuck you anybody who's picked against him because I feel like everybody who ever picked against Glover was just like fuck me forever picking against this guy or rooting against this guy. <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with me? You know? I feel like everybody collectively had to have that moment, but it was sad other than that. Yes, as a Glover fan. <laughs> like, uh, all right, last word let, and then we'll, we'll, we'll finally get out of here. Sorry for the long show, folks. Fenyo, thank you for being a trooper, man. Um Okay, we got to align on this one, I imagine. We have the same one. Feel-good moment of the year. We're going to end on a high note. Feel-good moment of the year. Um, should I go first on this one, Fenyo? Yeah, you can. I, I think it'll tie with... Because um, it's, 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 it's the exact inverse of my pick, that's why. It was the opposite of Shogun getting... This is one of the rare cases, like Chris Lytle, Dan oh, okay, Hardy, yeah. where the veteran actually gets to go off on a good note. And, you know, it gets tricky when we talk about who deserves this, you know, you know, who, who really deserves it more than the other. And who, for all we know, the person who we think could deserve it most could be like a closet, you know, you have like a closet, like a kiddie porn dungeon, like the Patrick Swayze and Donnie Darko for all we know. Right. Wow, Dan, that was dark. The point is, <laughs> we don't know who deserves it any more than the other person. But Robbie Lawler, at UFC 290, again, card of the year. And I... I admittedly picked Nico Price. It was the classic uh, Phil McKenzie. Shout out to the Heavy Hands podcast, Sadness Hedge. And I was I had never been more happier to be wrong about a pick, Fenyo. Was was this your feel good or did you have something different? Yeah, no. Uh, I have a few others, but the first, the, the greatest one to, to me, to be quite honest, it was that one. It was like, it was amazing. Uh, and I thought it was possible, but I think I went with Price. Um, 
because uh, Nico has been looking super raw as of late too. So, right. but that what made it what made it uh, great it was that Robbie looked amazing. It was just not the knockout. He was looking great of all of the whole fight, and then he killed him. It was like in the clinch, right? Like yeah. an uppercut from the clinch. Yeah. It was oh my god! It was so good. <laughs> Yeah, it was. Br- it reminded me of like so, his. Uh, so in the ring, he would do that more, like in the corner, like like Nico Vitali, following Nico Vitali, reminded me of like one of his old school finishes, or like even Frank Trigg, you know, those in close uppercuts and just like, um, yeah. And then how about you know even even the UFC, right? Like you got to give him credit where it's due. In an age where we barely get walkouts anymore, they made sure they played Robbie Lawler's walkout, which we had the last of the Mohicans, the Trevor. Uh, whatever promontory. I love that song. is on my it's on my workout mix, right? Uh, and then they they play him off with the Dave and Sam. Hold on, I'm coming. And they give him the package. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like Rogan didn't fumble the bag. Guy. Like everybody, you know, for as much as we shit on UFC, or I don't think people should shut on UFC production because I feel like they get it unfairly. Those people are like really hardworking people that have to deal with so much bullshit, and it's not their say, you know. So I think they should get credit anyways. But again, the production was on point. Uh, Rogan did a good job. He didn't fumble the bag. Like everybody just did their job, man. And you gotta just—it was perfect, man. You gotta give credit even to the UFC on that, um, because that's not their style. You know, like we said, they don't—they try to get the old guys out of there in more ways than one. To give them the do like this, you know, and in a fight that you know he was a two-to-one dog, and they still had all that production preparation and packages ready yeah. to go. Like you yeah, gotta that, give them yeah. credit there, man. That's 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 big. Yeah, yeah, that was for sure. And the other two for me were Pantoja Moreno again, like just, just so cathartic as a moment, uh, seeing like Pantoja, yeah. like against all odds, like getting it. Sure, absolutely, yeah. yeah. The and then but yeah, the, the post fight like, speech it with feels the, like yeah. the yeah, that speech about his dad, everything, and and yeah, I mean. It, it really felt like the UFC was waiting for him to be old enough to lose to Moreno. Yeah. And it didn't work out. <laughs> yeah, even fans who picked him, like us, even we were a bit nervous, right? You know, uh, maybe to differing degrees, but, you know, you know, for Roy Valen, obviously, especially Moreno, um, those, were, those weren't the safest fights on paper, even despite beating them. And the last one, uh, maybe not, not as satisfactory, but it had... It had many moments that, that gave me a lot of joy. It was like Leon just punking like Colby during the fight, like taking him down. Like, yeah, that was like that was... Colby trying to do stupid shit and getting countered, looking like a nat, looking like a fucking mess. Like I don't care if Colby won uh, the fifth round, and to be honest, like he kind of didn't. Like he did nothing from the position. Yeah. yeah. Um, and may yeah, we we all wanted the, the big KO, especially after the stupid shit that Colby said. But but Colby looking like a dunce, like he didn't belong in there with Leon Edwards, was so good. Yeah. Like when when Leon just got back from the first takedown, <laughs> he dropped him to the cage and took him down just to humiliate him. Like it was great. <laughs> it's a great was hilarious. Moment. That was hilarious. All right, I'm going to clean up the chat before we get out of here. Thank you guys for sticking with us. Jimmy Kudo, K of the year is easy. Josh Emmett versus Mitchell. Jim Karasu went with Izzy versus per- Pereira. 
uh, all very defensible picks. Uh, Rio says in Truesdale, Lawler versus Price was cool. Uh, what a way to end a career. Absolutely. Rain Lamina. Random one. Saint Denis over Frivola for KO over the year. That was that was definitely a crazy one. Um, caught him just at the end of that one, too. End of that kick. Uh, Jimmy Kudo. Dustin losing was sad. I love Dustin. Yeah, fellow Dustin people. Duelist mention. I know that there's about <laughs> to be a duel. <laughs> I got another. The duelist. Oh my fucking god, that was cringe. Rain Lamina says. <laughs> Ronan Curtis. Uh, but he did not fire because he respected his opponent. Important note. Important note. Very important. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm sure that's exactly how the crowd interpreted him wagging their finger at them, too, by the way. Uh, if Shogun had to get KO'd in the year 2023, I'm glad it was to somebody so honorable. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, every time Ehor fights, I hope he loses. That's from James Kendrick. Jimmy Kudo, Ehor Pateria is a Muppet. Wow. Ehor. He's getting trashed. He's getting trashed. WrestleJamia, my nickname is Duelist, and that was a duel, and I took out my gun, but I did not fire. I fired into the air because I respect my opponent, so I told him, respect. That's a great quote. Uh, Jamie is the goat when it comes to the your discussion. Yes, he is. I, I appreciate the hell out of it. Thank you, sir, for showing up. Rios doesn't choose the uh, Jamal Hill destroying Glover was very sad and great shout out uh, for heartbreak of the year. That was a really good shout out. Yeah, that was a good shout out. Um, Jimmy Kudo feel good moment of the year is Pantoja calling out his deadbeat dad. <laughs> That's great. Yes, I love those memes by the way. Like where it's like me and the boys looking for Pantoja's deadbeat dad. And it's like a crew <laughs> yeah. going down the street. Like, those those are my number one number two favorite uh, MMA memes you know my my number one favorite MMA meme slash thing is slash feel good thing is because it's one of the only things that's just innocent honest fun is Poetan standing next to people who fought in divisions higher than middleweight but he makes them look like lightweights that is my favorite genre of MMA content bar none over breakdowns podcasts uh, gifts threads no 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 Poetan standing next to people, making them look small who shouldn't be small. That is my favorite brand. What about you, Fanny? Do you, you enjoy that brand of? Uh... Yeah, I love. I love those. Like Poetan's so fucking big. Like, <laughs> like, like it's insane uh, because obviously he was a very big 185, but then he moved up to 205. He put immediately like on 20 pounds. <laughs> yes, I remember that when he was still so at middleweight. I, I couldn't believe, like, uh, Poeta next to to Blachowicz. Yeah. He was, like, way bigger, like. The Reyes one Blachowicz, surprised me. Like, the Reyes one really surprised me the most, like, because he was still, like, at middleweight when he took that photo, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's, but he's, like, out of camp. Like, maybe you don't know, but and then, like, like Jiri, Jiri is enormous. Enormous dude. And they were the same size, like, exactly the same size. Like, what, what in the fuck? <laughs> Yep, yep. Uh, Ronan Curtis, uh, especially because UFC rarely does that for their old fighters. Talking about the Robbie Lawler thing. Yep, absolutely. Was it was definitely a tri- tribute. Uh, Russell Jamia, Josie Aldo Hall of Fame in- in- induction, maybe. Oh, that was a that was a feel good moment. Um, yeah, I I don't give a shit about the the UFC Hall of Fame, but Aldo Aldo was so happy that about was it. So that was so cool. Yeah. Like, impossible not to feel good for him. Yeah. I, I did see a funny tweet from uh, my guy uh, Ben the Baines. He did the Aldo thing where he was like getting his acceptance and it was like Santa on his 436 glass of milk trying to get himself pumped up for the next one. <laughs> I was like, that was, that was a good one. 
Um, Makoto Kayagoku, how about Leon almost crying in his post-fight after the garbage Colby said about Leon's dad? It might have been a terrible fight, but I'm happy that Leon won. Um, as far as feel-good, uh, I'm guessing, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that, was, that was probably cathartic for him. Um, Rain Lamina, why did they shake the camera when Ihor did his dance? I don't know. I had to look back at that detail. Well, it was too powerful. It was it's too the, the honor. <laughs> It's too, much. Yeah. it's too powerful. Uh, Pepe Silva, Lawler showed that even the weak, soggy, soggy penis can still pick, can still come through. That's right. That's right. Oh man, if I would have bet on Lawler, and that would have been a category, Pepe, that would have been the, definitely the uh, uh, the soggy penis special of the year. Like Bill Burr podcast, it's the Monday Night Special. Da, 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 da. I gotta have my own song, you know. Uh, but yeah, that'll be anytime I I bet on old fighters, <laughs> the Saki Dick special. Uh, last one, James Kendrick, uh, the brand of meme Jack Slack does for Adriano Marais, but he likes to find pics of him standing next to 125ers looking normal size because DJ fans pretend that Marais is a huge fighter. That is a new one uh, uh, this year. That That's great. That is great. Rain Lamina, this became the trash Ehor. It did at the end, but hey, we're all having a good time. Thank you guys for sticking around. It was a long podcast, but you know what? There's not a lot of MMA content out right now, so hopefully this will hold you over until Fenyo's award shows and the other award shows of my guy Combat Chronicles and the others that we kind of reference here. Um, love to shout out the community. I don't think uh, I'm any special. My awards or takes are. But I appreciate you guys, you know, uh, coming and hanging out and um, I guess caring enough about my takes to hang out, uh, even though I don't, you shouldn't, we shouldn't take them, us, so seriously. Fenyo, thank you for being here, my man. Anything you want to say to close out the year? Anything you want to plug, promote? Stage is yours. Um, yeah, no, thank you so much for having me. Uh, as always, check out the fight site. Uh, the website in itself uh, has been a bit inactive as of late, but we're still getting Getting, getting content out. I have two podcasts. I have the weekly, the early prelims podcast. Uh, I just like go over what's happening in mainstream MMA every week. It's just more informal, that kind of shit. Uh, I like to find a balance between like narratives and technical anal analysis. Then for every uh, UFC pay-per-view, I do the full preview. I scout every single fighter in that card and I talk about all the fights I give my thoughts about the matchup. Uh, I put a lot of work into that. Uh, it's very good in my opinion. Uh, I might be subjective there. <laughs> and uh, Follow me on Twitter. I post a lot of clips uh, with explanations and shit. If you enjoy the technical side of uh, MMA, especially striking, uh, follow me. I talk uh, a lot about that. I'm also like super responsive. I, I reply to a lot of tweets including like the super dumb ones. There are no dumb questions in this world. Maybe there are a few dumb questions. <laughs> There's no stupid questions, just stupid people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and yeah, I mean, uh, you have my Twitter handle there. And if you want to support mm, my work and the rest of the fight site, uh, you can go to our Patreon. Um, in our Patreon, we have a lot of exclusive content uh, that we cannot put anywhere else especially like videos that have gone and mm. copyright on the past that are clearly fair use we're not like promoting piracy maybe and and yeah i mean it's it's all good stuff and you can get access to to our discord server and finally um wanna give a shout out to 
my colleague from the fight side, uh, Tumen. Yes, good. Uh, I had to pull it up right now. Perfect, perfect timing. Yeah, yes. He's incarcerated in an ICE facility. In this moment, he was trying to cross the border from Mexico to the USA, uh, to the USA after escaping the war from Russia because he was in danger of getting draft to go to war with Ukraine. Uh, all crazy stuff. Yep. So he was seeking political as asylum in the US, and sadly he got like set up, got trapped, and he's with a lot of fellow Russians. Uh, in an ICE facility, uh, very bad conditions, by the way, and it's like it, it sucks. Like um, mobility is a is a, a human right, and and now he's like in jail because of it. So we're trying to get some funds to to get him a good lawyer to help him in his situation, and if you can help with any amount of money that would be greatly appreciated so please uh we have the links in the description yep. uh look into it we have like very throw out explanations of everything that happened it's all very legit it's a real like concern yeah and it would do wonders for us and especially for him and his family if you could help so thank you about that yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm. Uh, we we're we we're gonna bring it up at the beginning of the show, um, but I had the tap pulled up, so it was a perfect transition. Um, this is this is you know Tuman. I don't know if I've had him on this show, f but I've podcasted with him a bunch. Um, you guys have seen me share uh, links for w what's going on with him. Uh, I haven't talked too much about it on the program. A lot of things. It's just you know I was just talking about the other day. Like there, there's things that you know uh, I try to do uh, on the side when I can. And and try to help you know just whatever you can do to help people you know uh, money's not an end all be all we all don't have it or have a lot of it and that's fine it's like whatever you can't even if it's like just a dollar but um, instead of plugging stuff for my podcast or ways you could support or give me money uh, I'm just going to use that to parlay into this uh, I already have it included in the show links and it'll be in the links uh, in the future future if you're listening on iTunes uh, for the Ko-Fi. Um, this is a real person. This is a real problem. I know, you know, a lot of us, unfortunately, it goes with a stereotype and whatnot. But yes, a lot of us very privileged folk, whether American, North American, whatever, Western society, whatever you want to say, whatever part of the world you're from, we tend to do this thing where like, we'll like put like a flag up or like a, you know, a, a, a symbol and we're like, okay, that's, that's what we've contributed to the, I've got the Ukraine flag. That's, that's, that's it, you know? And what we don't realize is like the actual co uh, costs of these things, that, you know, Russia's invasion and what they did do to people, you know, what this entails and, and what he just said as far as, you know, uh, Tumen, especially where he is located geographically and the people who, not just Russia, but, you know, in general, who they like to send to war in these front lines, he, he was in danger of being one of those people. And it's very bothersome knowing I haven't met Tumen in person, had that privilege, but having so many conversations publicly and privately with this guy. And uh, I don't know, just knowing somebody going through that really hits different because so much, so much of us, it's, it, we're so privileged that it's like, Oh, it's something that's far away. This doesn't affect us, you know, but it does, man. And it's just, um, you know, that's why I have been, that's why I get so mad at people that tell me to stick to sports because I have been, believe it or not, because whether it's knowing people going through this shit, whether it's knowing people that were, you know, on campus for the UNLV shooting, um, 
whether it's the fucking genocide going on across the world right now. It's like, there's a lot of depressing shit out there. So I'm actually, I actually, you know, haven't been saying much about it because honestly, it's just been depressing. I almost feel bad because I'm not as vocal about some of these things, like with the Tumen thing, obviously. Um, but man, it's just, there's just a lot of like real, uh, real stuff going on. So that I want to end this on a positive note, but I, I this was something really important. Um, and, uh, you know, I wouldn't be sharing it out if it wasn't. So I'll share the link out again uh, on my social medias. Follow me at Dan Tom MMA. Follow the podcast at the PYN podcast. Um, and uh, I will have uh, links if you want to donate to Two Men's Legal Fund. Uh, and shouts to the people who are putting those funds and helping him with legal care together. It's a group effort from what I understand. And just um, more awesome people in this community. Just they're out there, folks. They're, they're, not, they're, not, they're not public, but they're out there. So thank you for being some of those awesome people. Fenyo, thank you for obviously being one of the awesome people coming on this show. A fantastic resource for the community for your analysis. Um, uh, somebody who also is not afraid to stand up for you know just causes and help people in need. And uh, that's that shouldn't be a political thing. That should just be a human being thing. And it should be a human being thing more human beings should... Uh, embrace so hopefully you guys are helping uh are there for your you know uh fellow people whether it's in your family or not and uh we look out for each other as best we can that's i'm not trying to get too preachy i feel like that's just the basic human being thing so uh i wish you guys i genuinely wish you guys all the best in this next coming year i know the holidays you know it has been tough for me but like someone pointed out i'm smiling i'm feeling it um a lot for us to look forward to hopefully you guys can find your own to look forward to my line is open to you Otherwise, I'm not a doctor. I don't know what I can help, but, you know, I'm here. I'm around. You can message me. Um, and, yeah, follow the podcast. Support the show if you want. But uh, there's more important things you can support. So you should probably do that. We'll be around. We'll be free. We're not going anywhere. Be back next year with Breakdown Shows. Got top five shows. Daniel, Tom, and May. Like, share, subscribe on YouTube, iTunes, five-star ratings and reviews. I'll get to the Amazon reads and all the normal plugs in the next show. I want to put a plug in it for now. It's been long enough. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Have a good new year. Be safe and always protect your next.